You're listening to Revenge of the Drive-In, the podcast where we watch and discuss a drive-in double feature amongst movies randomly selected from a list of over 1,800. Today's movies are John Wick from 2014, the modern action neo-noir classic starring Keanu Reeves, and Pieces from 1982, the cult film sensation starring Christopher George and lots of brutal violent kills and <laughs> gratuitous nudity i am patrick and i am joined here as usual by jim jimmy jam jim we've got a, a very violent double feature here in store one of the most violent double features overall like john wick it, it takes a while before there's like truly an action scene but that is a violent movie and i respect the hell out of that that's that's great well, I think John Wick is the movie that kind of relaunched Keanu Reeves' career. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because what was he... I, like, I don't think there's a third Bill and Ted movie unless the John Wick no, movies come no. out, you know? Well, I looked it up. And he he's done other stuff, too. There, there's not a fourth Matrix movie if, if he doesn't do John Wick, I don't think, you know? I, I was looking it up, and he had done pretty much nothing. The only thing he did right before this was... Was it 47 Ronin? Oh, sure. Okay. That was 2013, okay. Yeah, I remember watching it being like, ah, oh, this is all right. But it wasn't until John Wick that you had this kind of stoic, hardline, badass action hero played by a middle-aged man. Listen, I mean, yes, it's middle-aged is the key point because there's a big thing with grandpa action, which we're seeing Bruce Willis <laughs> and others, Steven Seagal, you know, flourishing. Uh, Liam Neeson, I think, is the king of king of the grandpa action that actually gets released to yeah. theaters you know bruce willis is the king of the vod grandpa action <laughs> and steven steven seagal's up there there as there's others but the middle-aged action hero i think is 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 key because um overall this is this is a the part that keanu reeves is just perfect for because he's always been an excellent action hero he's great with the physical stuff because he he keanu reeves actually knows martial arts not that he's like on the Bruce Lee level, but maybe not even the Jean-Claude Van Damme level, but compared to most action heroes, he's better in a fight scene than a lot of them. And certainly for someone his age, he's incredible. Like you see a Liam Neeson fight scene and it's like, oh, this is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a 75 year old man. I get it. But yeah, Keanu Reeves. And, and then also you mentioned the stoic kind of action hero. And it's like, you know, Keanu Reeves just throughout his career he's always been bad at emotion well exactly this, that's yeah. what that's why he's just perfect in this part he doesn't have to do a whole lot this utilizes him so well i think that lack of emotion by keanu reeves is something that kind of like partially killed his career or like lack of being interesting on screen and again john wick was kind of i mean to use i guess art historical terms here john wick was like the duomo of of uh keanu reeves's renaissance right as uh his his rebirth as an actor and and uh and this middle-aged action star it, it washed mean, the stink away of the um the the day the earth stood still remake which i, I hate that movie <laughs> so much well then also too you wouldn't have movies like nobody i assume uh, oh yeah, nobody is a great. John, I I still yeah. haven't seen it, but nobody is a great example of the. I heard it was middle good. age action hero. Yeah, there's there's others. I mean, because the middle age, like if you go back far enough, Harrison Ford was not a young man when he was in the prime of his action career. Like he's probably what thirty five when the first Indiana Jones movie comes out. Something like, he's so, well yeah. into his thirties. Yeah. And then certainly later on when he's doing the 90s movies like the Jack Ryan movies and Air Force One, like he's that's middle age 
mm-hmm. action hero man. And there's there's others, but like I, I think I would have to look at how old Charles Bronson was in the original <laughs> Death Wish. Because I consider Charles Bronson kind of the founding father of grandpa action with the the, the movies he would the do in the grandpa. 80s. The, 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 yeah, the founding grandfather of grandpa <laughs> action because what he was doing in the 80s with canon films, The Evil That Men Do, Death Wish 3 and 4, and I think the fifth one came out in the 90s. And, and he's just like classic grandpa action. We may have, you know, Ken Reeves still looks excellent for his age. He's probably older mm-hmm. than Charles Bronson was, at least in the first Death Wish, maybe even in the second one. I think he's but in we, his mid-50s. Um, yeah, even maybe, even, maybe even later 50s. I mean, this yeah. this movie, the first John Wick movie, is almost 10 years old at this point. So he's yeah. probably 49, 48 here. I, I, I can look that up in a second. But we may have a, a yet another Grandpa action star on our hands in the near future with <laughs> with uh, John Wick. And I think that's exciting. Or we're with Keanu Reeves, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope if he does become a Grandpa action star, he at least makes better movies. And I'm sure he will. Well, then, then uh, Liam Neeson, or yeah. well, you like some of the Liam Neeson crap. I like um, the first Taken, and I like Cold Pursuit. That's, that's <laughs> I still don't know what Cold Pursuit is. You've been talking one of the about one of the best while. movies I've ever seen in my life. I love it. I love it. But I'm also the guy who loved Deathstalker. So, so he, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing he's uh, Canary's 57 by the way. So he's about 50 when this movie's made. 49, oh 50. Wow. Yeah, he does a great job. Oh, he also does all of his own driving stunts, I believe, as well. Throughout really? The series. Yeah. Okay. So he actually ran over mayhem. He did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he murdered that man. Well, and I think those are his actual... I could be wrong, but I think the cars in the movie that he drives are his actual cars. The the ones he trashes? <laughs> I mean, no. he, he crashes some of those. No, so I mean, those like, those are... are those, like, <laughs> those aren't... Some of them. Like, you know what I mean, though? Like, I think... Like the glory, like these, um, not the glory shots, like the money shots of those cars. It was a Mustang that, he, that gets stolen early on. Yeah, and okay. that and that Chevy Chevelle. Anyways, we're kind of thrown into the story right off the bat. He slow roll crashes his car into like a concrete wall or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is like a um, kind of starts at the end and yeah. sort of everything's what, what, really a frame narrative. I don't know. But yeah, we start at the end of the story. No real reason for it other than I, I think it's kind of. I like that we established the wife stuff right off the mm-hmm. bat, but we would also be establishing it in the first scene, you know, if we just started at the beginning of the of the narrative anyways, I guess, too. Exactly. I mean, that's what I don't understand, but whatever. I think creatively, it, there's really no need for it, but it works uh, nonetheless. But yeah, so his wife, she has died of cancer, and uh, he's kind of watching videos of her and him on his phone. And at this point, again, at the end, at the beginning, at the end, at the end, at the beginning, he's uh, all yeah, beat yeah. up and bloody and bruised. Uh, and and then when we when we get the wife stuff, I'm, I'm reminded, I know I talked about this a tiny bit way back when we talked about Audition. This is a little up the Disney Pixar movie where we get this. Yeah, uh, we get this almost like a short film establishing the relationship. Yeah, it's it's we start off. We under we kind of understand what this relationship is, how much it means to him. Mm-hmm. before the wife dies and even though we don't yet get the wife is kind of what pulled him away from this life of horrible violent crime and everything <laughs> we can kind of piece that together just with how yeah. the movie starts at the end of the, like that's not too shocking i guess no exactly and well speaking of his wife and her love moving him out of that world we cut to some point before 
the bloodied, beaten up Keanu Reeves, and he is gifted a puppy by right. his dead wife. How do, how does this work? I mean, it doesn't really matter, but is this puppy just in the mail for like a week or something? Like, how does this work? <laughs> yeah, he gets a dead puppy. They forgot to feed it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's know, a beagle, right? It, I mean, it looks beagle-ish. Yeah. yeah, I will say, I will say, I've had two aunts die of cancer, and one of them, before she died, she had like given constructed some, a new colony. No, she she gave like a some packages okay. to a very close friend of hers to mail them to her family after she passed away. So I don't know, maybe that's what happened with this. There's puppy. a great monk episode, the the Tony Shalhoub <laughs> show, where okay, where yeah. there's um there's uh, the whole thing is the the killer like mailed a bomb, but the person who did it is in a coma, and they're mm. like, how how did they do it? But monk is like, no no no, it's this guy, and they find out that the bomb that he mailed, he actually like glued it in inside a mailbox and waited for the, the glue kind of like dissolved after like a week or something. And he wasn't supposed to be in a coma. He was just supposed to get himself arrested oh. by like crashing into a police car, but he ended up <laughs> putting himself in a coma. So, but, so he is a perfect alibi, but you know, uh, wow. anyways, I, so, so there are maybe, maybe, maybe the dog was, was maybe somebody glued, glued the dog. to the mailbox. <laughs> uh, that poor dog. Well, he gets poorer. <laughs> we're yeah. not we're not through with the dog's misery, and I think that's that's the thing. Like a lot of people, they don't like when dogs get killed in movies or pets or cute animals or whatever. Like I think everyone knows John Wick is about you know the dog die. I think everyone knows yeah. that now. Like when this movie came out, I didn't see it. I was a I was several years behind on the John Wick train. I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't see the first one until at least the second one, maybe even the third one was out. And I mean, I knew it was the, the like he gets revenge because the dog gets killed and everything. And you hear it described that way. And you're like, wow, sounds shockingly simplistic. Sounds like mm-hmm. the plot to like Keanu with uh, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Peele. And <laughs> speaking of Keanu Reeves, Jordan Peele and uh, Keegan-Michael Key. I, I had to, OK, it's but then it's like you see the movie and it's like, OK, yeah, it's very clear. The dog means is is more than just a dog. And it's like, OK, that's fine. That's enough for an, a light on plot action revenge movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just to delve into that deeper in case somebody listening to this doesn't understand what we're talking about, though, you should probably go out and watch John Wick before you listen to this. This dog is essentially an extension of his wife's love. And it's it's there as as a way for him to cope with his wife's death. And he's out one day getting it food in his awesome Mustang. And these Russian dudes pull up at a gas station, including um, Alfie Allen from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, Greyjoy. <laughs> what's his what's his, he's. Uh, I don't the- know. Theon Greyjoy. I had a, a, yeah. Not the biggest Game of Thrones guy. This one Russian, what's his name? Yosef. He's the son of uh, this big Russian mob boss. Also, can can we just talk about how uh, perfect timing for this film with with all the anti-Russian Russian. stuff going around? <laughs> <laughs> perfect timing because we are we are recording this in early March. Putin invaded Ukraine twenty fourth of February. Week or two, okay, yeah, two weeks ago. This is an exciting time to, you know, we, we're going to have to get to you know some Bond movies soon to really capture that anti-russian anti-soviet stuff in that case but yeah so are you saying john wick was the original ukraine you know he's an innocent man who's attacked i think there's comparisons to be drawn here well speaking of russians yeah so this one punk who's the son of the this mob boss vigo i forget the name of the actor it's michael i can never pronounce his last name but i've seen him in other things nyquist um is that it yeah 
Um, yeah, I just like Gustav Nyquist, who at least used to play for the Red Wings. I don't know if he still does. I haven't followed the NHL too much recently, but it's a Swedish dude. Anyways, he's the head of this mob. Of this mob, his son Josef really wants John Wick's car. He sees John Wick's dog, and he's a little taken aback when John Wick says, "Like, no, you can't buy my car off me. It's not for sale." And then he speaks Russian to him after he insults him in Russian, which is great. And yeah, yeah. So I've seen this movie a million times, but I watched it on Netflix. And on okay. Netflix... I think the first uh, time I Canada, saw it was on Netflix, yeah. Oh, okay. So on Netflix Canada, there was no subtitles for any of the Russian dialogue. Really? Yeah, which was bizarre. But I knew, because I've seen the movie again like a million times. <laughs> but I know Russian, so... It wasn't yeah, <laughs> I know Russian. But no, I, I like I knew what they were talking about because I remember the scene, but it was just bizarre. And I Is thought, that a weird Netflix solidarity with Ukraine thing, though? That's oh, the question. Did they take down oh the my God. subtitles recently? I can't <laughs> like, imagine you can't that's watch the this case. Movie. Yeah. I can't imagine that's the case, but that's interesting that Netflix John Wick is the same as Steven Spielberg's West Side Story because in that, the Spanish is not subtitled, and that was a stylistic choice. And I think the reasoning was half the fucking country speaks Spanish or knows enough Spanish. And like you can even if you don't know it, you can kind of tell what's being communicated here. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's not too much information being fed in Russian in this movie. And I feel like you you probably got along just fine. Even if you even if you hadn't seen the movie before, you could probably still tell what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Especially because you have Mayhem, the right-hand man of the Russian mob boss, always saying, like, hey, English, because he's not the Russian guy. He just happens to work for him. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, John Wick goes home, and these pesky Russians, they go to his house, beat the crap out of John Wick, pick up this poor little puppy, and smash it against the ground and kill it, and then they steal his Mustang. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, John Wick wakes up. Obviously, he's he's completely distraught. Not only has his wife died, but again, this extension of his wife, this thing kind of embodying his wife's love has been killed by these awful people. And his other love, his car, <laughs> has been stolen. And even his other car, he's got an SUV. It's got like a baseball bat through yeah, the windshield. Like yeah. he can't drive that. <laughs> so no, he gets yeah. on the bus with like a shirt covered in blood, which is kind of yeah. neat. Well, then he goes to see John Leguizamo. John right? Leguizamo, yes. And I love him. He's great as a, oh, what, what movie is it? It's him. Super Mario He's, Brothers? No. <laughs> Ice Age? No. So he shows up to John Leguizamo's body shop, and his character's name is Aurelio. He runs this uh, chop shop for the Russian mob and for himself. I guess he like works uh, with the mob as well. I don't know. But he pours John Wick a drink and John Wick is like, is my car here? And he goes, no, man, it was, though. He kind of tells him how these Russian guys showed up and we kind of see it in like a sort of a flashbacky sort of thing. That's a good scene because you see part of that scene. It's before the flashback. You see part of that before. I don't know if it's before John Wick wakes up, but we we see some of that scene, but we see the end of it, I think, in the flashback. But yeah. John Leguizamo, like the second he sees that car, he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm not I'm not messing around with this car Yeah, well, and because he the- knows who it belongs to. And I love that. It's a great job of like establishing who John Wick is. Exactly. This is like the first bit of like world and character establishment that we get about this kind of like underground world of assassins and John Wick. And it is from John Leguizamo. He says, like, no, I know whose car that is. That's John Wick. And he says, what'd you do? Did you kill the guy? And they're like, no, no, we didn't kill him. But we beat him up and we fucked up his dog. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you fucked up his dog. Yeah. He's like, get the fuck out of here. And in this movie, pretty much everybody's a badass. Like every 
Well, it goes without saying. I mean, it's a this that's like this. We're going to talk about this a tiny bit with pieces later on, but let me let me explain here what pieces is to horror, and may, maybe maybe not the best example because I'm, later on I'm going to compare pieces. I'm sure to the Prowler, you know, the, mm-hmm. the movie that we covered <laughs> okay, earlier. Yeah. But what the Prowler is to horror is kind of what John Wick, the John Wick series, is to action. Like you have enough of a plot to keep things moving, but really it's just kind of like action is all that really matters that much, you know? Yeah. And and so you can have that, like, everybody is a badass thing. You know, Willem Dafoe, who doesn't remotely look like a badass, is a badass, which is yeah, kind of great. That's the amazing thing. And then you get people doing things. So, like, we learn almost immediately that, like, you shouldn't be fucking with these Russian guys, you know? Right. But then we also learn, oh, no, this guy, John Wick, the guy that they beat up, who we know absolutely nothing about, is somebody to be feared and respected. And mm-hmm. then John Leguizamo turns around and thumps this Russian kid, Yosef. <laughs> and then like uh, Vigo, the head of the Russian mob, calls him and he's like, I heard you punched my son. He goes, yeah, well, he stole John Wick's car and killed oh, his Oh, that's dog. great. That's great, you know? <laughs> too. How, how like the the dad, this uh, Nyquist guy, this Nyquil guy, was just yeah, immediately Nyquil. like... <laughs> It's like he's kind of just like, oh, shit, I understand. Like my, my <laughs> son fucked up. That's great. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's the first time we see that guy, too. What, um, the, what, what's his what's his name? The um, Vigo. Vigo. Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. Yeah. Vigo Tarasov. And yeah, so he's like this really rich mob boss. That's the best way to describe he's a, he's a, he he's in He's in New York, too, which, oh, my God, this is OK. I, I'm going to complain about something. It's not a plot hole, but it threw me off. So. John Wick is driving around in his Mustang. This is before his Mustang is stolen, but mm-hmm. it has a New Jersey license plate. And I, and I draw attention to that because when, when we see him leaving his garage, it's very clearly we can see the New Jersey license plate. Mm-hmm. Then he's getting gas. He's pumping it himself. Yeah. You don't do that in New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey is the one state in the United <laughs> States where some where you cannot legally pump your own gas. Someone has to pump it for you. I think for a while there were some other states. I think Oregon maybe recently changed that. I mean, a lot of this movie takes place in New York, sure. But we, we literally established the New Jersey license plate. And then two seconds later, he's pumping his own gas. And I'm like, wait, 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 time out, time out. This, this doesn't work. This, this isn't <laughs> the reality is broken of this movie. It's mm-hmm. it, that 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 shatters my um, disbelief more so than that. There's a hotel explicitly for assassins where no one is allowed to shoot anyone <laughs> in the hotel. But <laughs> <laughs> the John Wick <laughs> universe is falling apart the second I see him pumping his own gas. <laughs> You're tapping out. You're like, no, I'm done. I'm done watching this movie. It's over. But any, anyways, the Russian mob. I mean, it's a New York mob, obviously. But um, yeah. And Vigo is like really smartly dressed and he he just looks tough and powerful. He's also a big dude. So when his son gets back, he calls him over and he's like, hey, how's it going, son? He goes, oh, dad, uh, the job went well, yada, yada, yada. He goes, okay, great. He gives him a shot of vodka and then punches him right in the gut, like as hard as he can. His kid vomits on the floor and everything. And this is in front of Mayhem, which we got to talk about Mayhem. I'll I'll pull (laughs) up the actor's actual name and the character's name too. Why not? Because he is... Dean Winters is the actor and he plays Avi. He's like the he's the right hand man, but he's not Russian. He's just a guy. And he's also pretty useless. <laughs> he just stands there. 
he well anyways so he's the mayhem in the all-state commercials which at the end of the last episode yeah. i might have said geico <laughs> my apologies there's, oh you might have that's right yeah there's 14 different geico ad campaigns on at any given moment i'm sorry this one he's one of the all-state ad, ad campaigns but uh, and and you you said you thought this was before he debuted as mayhem he's not i found it out he's been doing mayhem since like 2010 so several years oh. before this movie and he's still doing it and those commercials are pretty good by the way a lot of them are yeah. very good but he visually he has the same look because he's wearing that nice suit and he, like he looks exactly the same and it's very distracting <laughs> and i i bring this up because i think like when you're an actor and and, and let's say you get one of these big television commercial jobs where you, where you keep getting different ads or you know all for the same company or whatever like i, I think of like the at&t girl Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know. I mean, you you don't you know you you have worse phone plans than is, is, no no. Is, well, Flo, well, Flow is another example. I don't. But AT and T girl, Flow is progressive. AT and T girl, saying. she's in the movie Werewolves Within, which came out recently. A little distracting, but she at least looked different. She she kind of. I mean, you can tell it's her, but she's she's not wearing her AT and T polo. Or, you know, button down, whatever she wears. Whereas, like, this guy, he's wearing what he wears in the Mayhem yeah, commercials. I know. And eventually you see him, like, hit by cars and stuff, which is kind of stuff that you see in the Mayhem commercials, at least some of them. So I thought that was <laughs> yeah. just kind of weird and distracting. But, I mean, I, it's not a complaint. It's just, like, I, you know, what are you going to do? If you're if you're the Mayhem guy, if you're Dean Winters, you're not going to turn down a role like this. You're, you probably no, is like, oh, thank God, I get to do something other than you know, get, getting thrown around and falling through roofs <laughs> in yeah. the Allstate commercials. Oh, I'm still getting thrown around and thrown through roofs. Okay, whatever. Yeah, but it's a big Hollywood budget. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but he, but he wears the same clothes. Yeah. That's, that's what throws me off. But he's kind of a fun little character. He's, he's he is. the and, consigliere, and... so to so to speak, kind of of the Russian mob. Yeah, and as you pointed out, he he doesn't speak Russian. So this whole scene when Vigo's beating the shit out of his son and he's reprimanding him for doing what he did to john wick right but most of it's in russian and what's the name dean winters dean dean winters yeah he keeps on saying vigo english come on english vigo uh english you know (laughs) we get the exposition the backstory to john wick we do get that in english and that's kind of nice they they refer to him as um baba Baba Yaga. yaga is that a russian term by the way that i could just Maybe vaguely no clue I'm, I'm looking that up but i mean that while you look it up i really love this scene because it is russian okay this scene is where we get the first kind of glimpse into this world into this john wick world and we learn yeah. that he is this like mercenary like a hired gun yeah and and, and, and we get all this backstory like cut to cut while he's breaking down the the floor in yeah, his home well, so, to collect all of his weapons and stuff. That's really that's a really creative way to kind of show things while telling us stuff. Yeah, Vigo actually says he's not the boogeyman. He's the guy you send to kill yeah. the boogeyman. That's a great. That's a great line. That's probably a trailer line. Looking back, I, I would be willing yeah. to bet that line's in the trailer. But it's a great line. And then as he's saying to his son, like you fucked up so bad because you don't understand. This guy is a man of undying will. Like he, whatever he sets his mind to, he will accomplish. You can put like a million men in front of him, and he'll kill all of them just to get to you. And mm-hmm. as he's saying that, it's being intercut with John Wick destroying a concrete floor in his basement to get his his guns and a bunch of gold and stuff. Yeah, and he's got the the coins, which we see later what those coins are for. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which it's like their form of currency in this world of assassins. Yeah. Well, specifically, it's it's honored by the Continental Hotel. It's the, it's what they use. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Maybe the underground world of assassins uses it for other stuff. I don't know. There's maybe there's the functioning equivalent of the Intercontinental Hotel everywhere, you know, in every major city in the world. Like maybe that giant Bass Pro Shop <laughs> in Memphis, maybe that maybe that's uh, a yeah. safe haven for assassins. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, the former Memphis Pyramid where the Grizzlies used to play. That's now the world's biggest Bass Pro Shop. So maybe, maybe it's <laughs> oh one, of these, uh, one of these hotels too. Who knows? Well, John Wick is getting out all of his assassination stuff. Like he's, he's putting on this really nice, like clean cut looking suit. And he's getting ready because he knows that Vigo is going to send some guys to kill John Wick before he can kind of start his uh, uh, tour of revenge, I guess. And the men that are sent by Vigo are like immediately dispatched by John Wick. This is when we see like this is this is like a half hour into the movie. This is our first real big action scene and it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's all that like quick gun foo flipping and Mm -hmm. punching and just amazing. I I, I can't describe it. It's great. He does a lot of like overpowering someone physically and then shoots someone else and then comes back and shoots the guy who he's like holding. He does that a lot throughout the movie, but it looks really cool. And it is really a kind of a blend of, I mean, gun foo is the perfect term. I, I, you don't hear the term gun foo used a whole lot out of like the John Woo movies, mm-hmm. but this is, this feels gun foo because it's like martial arts mixed with gunplay and it's, it's really great. And it's awesome to see there's fantastic choreography. It's all shot really well. Yeah. And the stunt work is incredible too. I mean, there's some really awesome stuff in here. Well, and I don't know about you, but this was probably like, I, I think I'd been introduced to quote-unquote gun foo before but this was maybe face the first... off for me it was like the first one i would have seen that was kind of gun foo oh really face was off. it yeah face off is it's a john woo movie i just don't remember face off that well i guess but this like john wick was the movie that kind of got me interested in action movies again okay and i think this scene again like half an hour into the movie there's a build up to how much of a, like a badass that John Wick is and you don't mm-hmm. really see anything yeah. yet and then it all explodes onto the screen with this scene and right. it's yeah. it's so it, breathtaking actually to watch the movie takes its time getting to this scene but it never feels like it's wasting time everything mm-hmm. kind of builds up to creating establishing this John Wick character giving us a couple little glimpses into the world of the underground world of the russian crime lord stuff a little bit of the weird assassin kind yeah. of underworld and yeah, it, it works perfectly. And then we get kind of more of that kind of the weird underground stuff when at, at the end of the scene when he brings in his cleaner. I love that. David Patrick Kelly, which this is this is something that I want to point out because I've, I've seen this throughout some of the John Wick, you know, having seen some of the sequels and stuff. The way we, we've talked about with like horror movies and stuff, a lot of them giving like cameos to like big horror stars like mm-hmm. in this podcast tony todd has been the guilty party a couple times because he's in he basically has a cameo <laughs> in final destination he basically has a cameo yeah. in hellfest the john wick movies kind of do that for action movies and i don't know how many other action movies kind of do this thing but it's because we got david patrick kelly who um shows up here he's in what well, the warriors probably his signature role but he's in he has a small role in like Beverly Hills Cop, maybe even 48 mm-hmm. Hours also. He's, he's in like a lot of those kinds of movies. Daniel Bernhardt is in here somewhere. I think I saw him in Wikipedia anyways. 
maybe he's in the third one. I can't remember. The third one's the one I remember best because I've just seen that more than once. Oh, yeah, no. Daniel Bernhardt as Kirill, Vigo's henchman. Daniel Bernhardt is... Oh, is he... Um, uh... Oh, I forget who he is. Daniel Bernhardt was basically a Jean-Claude Van Damme impersonator, basically, is what he was. Like, he was in um, a few movies, like, by no means a big a big name in action cinema, but, like, real action fans might know who this guy is. He's in, I, I know him from Future oh, War, which is a guy. Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie where I think they refer to him. And he's like, oh, he looks like Jean-Claude Van Damme. And then I think one of the guys refers to him as Jean-Claude Gosh Darn. Is what he's he's more like that, and Jean but he Claude was actually Gosh, he was he was the star of I think it was the Bloodsport oh. series, like the direct-to-video sequels. Which Bloodsport oh. was a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. They oh. couldn't afford Jean-Claude Van Damme for the sequels. They just get the next best thing. This guy who looks exactly like him still does all the martial arts and stuff that Jean-Claude Van Damme did. So so he's even in this movie, and I think um he's a Swiss actor, model, and martial artist. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about these these like cleaners. Yeah, this is when we see. John it's a very Pulp Fiction out. scene. This is very the Wolf. It is, yeah. Well, it, it's a scene that makes you want to learn more about the world. Yeah, that, yeah. That all the I characters are inhabiting, and this is also when we see John Wick pull out like a stack of coins and give it to the. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and give it to the cleaning that. crew, but they, that's all done really well. So after uh, John kills these guys. Vigo approaches Willem Dafoe, who we saw earlier uh, at John Wick's at wife's funeral, funeral as a yeah. friend. And uh, he says, hey, would you kill John Wick for me for $2 million, but act fast because I'm going to open a contract on John Wick. So we also have this w- world of like contracts where somebody can open a contract and put a bounty on somebody's head. Mm-hmm. And then all these assassins get the opportunity to kill this person for the money, which right. I guess is kind of like real life, to be honest. Oh, yeah. This is dark web shit. Yeah. So what's John Wick doing right now? Well, good question, Patrick. He's making his way over to the Continental, which we've already brought up. It's this hotel that's like a haven for for these assassins. And there's like various rules at the Continental that we learn. Like you can't conduct quote unquote business on Continental grounds. So that means like you can't (laughs) kill other assassins or kill other people whilst in the Continental. Right. He also meets Ian McShane, who plays Winston. Oh, Ian, Ian McShane is fantastic. He he doesn't have a whole lot to do in this movie, but just as an actor, Ian McShane, just wonderful. I've been watching the series Deadwood. He is incredible in that. He is that's I've one of the heard. best television performances I've ever seen. Yeah, and I mean, he gives a great performance in this as well. He plays this kind of. We don't quite know what he what he is. Really. He, he's like the head of the Continental, and he's yeah, also, I guess. He's got connections. He like knows everybody. Yeah. That's that's the impression you get. He kind of knows everything that's going on. Yeah, and he has this kind of like I, I don't know if I could use the term regal, but like this regal New York like accent, like this this snooty New York accent. You know what I'm talking about? Like, well, you know what that is 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 he can never quite shake his English accent because because I think mm. that's what it is because McShane I think he's from like Blackpool or something, so it's just like kind of a different accent. And I think there's always traces of that in, in like anything he does, you know. Yeah, but he's like he's fantastic. I just love the way. Oh, he uh, acts. not black, not Blackpool. He's from Blackburn, Lancashire, which I don't know if oh. Blackpool's anywhere near there. Man, you, sh- you should take a trip. <laughs> just visit the home of yeah. Ian McShane. <laughs> do you think there's one of those blue uh, blue plaques on his house? Oh yeah, <laughs> the birthplace of Ian McShane. So while John Wick is at the Continental, he's like running into people that he knows. He runs into this woman, uh, Miss Parker. 
she knows him. John Wick isn't too chummy with her. Like they know of each other, but right. she comes up later. Yeah, and and even the bar the bartender knows him. The bartender's happy to see him again, and he yeah, he knows yeah. everyone knows who he is. He knows kind of everyone, but yeah, I think it's at the content. I think it's at the scene where he's talking to the bartender that Ian McShane orders him a drink, orders John Wick yes. a drink, and slides the information to him mm-hmm. where Yosef is hiding out. So he immediately leaves the hotel and goes to this banging club. I love this scene. I love this setting. Which this this, this yeah the setting is completely. There are not clubs in, in that whatever building that is. That's that does not house a, no. a nightclub in New York <laughs> City. It's, it's like it's something. like the stock exchange or something. It's like some incredible building. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, there's 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 no dancing going on in there. Every floor has like something like slightly different. I think there's like a lobby, then like a like a party area, then this kind of bathhouse area, which is in the basement. So, anyways, John Wick shows up to this club, and my favorite exchange between any characters in the whole movie is here. So John Wick goes to sneak through like a side door and there's a big Russian bodyguard there named Francis. And again, for me, Patrick, this was all without subtitles in Russian on Netflix. But I remember what he was talking about. John Wick sneaks up behind this bodyguard, points his gun at him and the bodyguard turns and he goes, Mr. Wick. He's like, oh, oh, yeah. he says, like, I'm, I'm giving you the night off or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. yeah, but I love how like they, they come to that because he's like because like they know each other pretty well. Yeah. And he's saying like, oh, you're looking pretty good, Francis. He's like, thank you. I've lost, you know, like X amount of pounds. He goes, oh, yeah, great. And then he asks him, he says, here for business or pleasure? Unfortunately, it's business. How about you take the night off, Francis? Yeah. He's like, thank you, Mr. Wick. And he takes yeah, I like that. How, he, how he's away. just like, I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> you know damn well I could. But yeah. he's just like, hey, just get out of here. <laughs> You'll live and I've got to conduct business here. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a bit earlier that we kind of missed, but in the... um. The exposition scene when um, the whole Baba Yaga thing, when uh, when Gustav Nyquist or whatever the heck his <laughs> name is, when he's giving the whole talk about because because um, the whole thing was John Wick was going to retire. He was going to oh, get yes. out of business yeah. because he met his wife and he's like, OK, you know, you know, I gave him this one final task that was impossible. He 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 could not accomplish it and then i told him if you do this you get to retire we'll never talk to you again but he accomplished it whatever it was they don't go into detail on what it was but like so so that establishes not just that he's this formidable assassin guy but that he specifically worked for this guy he knows he knows this um he knows alfie allen's dad there's also the great scene too and this is it's right after that i think but like this is after john wick has dug up all of his guns and stuff he gets a phone call from this mob yeah, boss from, from Vigo. Yeah. And he doesn't <laughs> yeah. say a damn thing. And the other guy's like, Hey, you know, we can, we can talk this out. You know, I'm sorry. Let's about be gentlemen. Let's, let's, yeah, let's be gentlemen. <laughs> and then John Wick just hangs up eventually. And then like, Oh, it's uh, mayhem asks him like, so what did he say? And he's like, enough. And it's like, yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this movie is like the ultimate revenge movie. It really is. Everything that John Wick has done up until from the minute his dog was killed to about to break into this club has been awesome because you know it's leading somewhere big. And this club scene is the first really big action set piece that we get. Well, I mean, the the scene in his house was big action set piece. Yeah, but I mean, like this is like this is big, big, full of people. Oh, it it, it gets much bigger because it starts... It starts quiet, and quiet being the key, because he's being stealthy, and he's taking people out stealthily, which is really yeah. Mean, he, he, he drowns he drowns that one fella in the in the uh, sink, pretty yeah. brutally. 
and takes his phone, which is important later because it's yes, yeah. it's a, one of um Yosef's good friends. friends. Yeah. One of the well, guys who was involved in the break-in and the, the dog killing and everything. The tough thing about action movies and specifically this John Wick movie is it's really hard to describe action scenes <laughs> for this, I would think, you know, for this podcast. Like, uh, oh, he runs around and he shoots and then he does a flip and he does a, and he shoots again. So I'm not going to try to describe the action scenes, but like the long and short of it is he sneaks in in like this really beautiful kind of bathhouse area with this kind of like ethereal music playing it's just got like a really nice kind of groovy feel you know what i mean patrick like it's like Mm -hmm. there's like tall columns it looks dreamlike and he just starts plugging people left and right there's a great shot at the very beginning he kills a guy and his bloody body like hits this glass wall and he slides down this is where our friend that we were just talking about uh what's his name daniel bernhardt Oh, Daniel, Daniel Bernhardt. Okay. This is where he is. Uh, he's trying to protect uh, Yosef in the pool. Okay. And John Wick just like plows his way through multiple guys and just kind of locks eyes with Yosef in the pool. Who's <laughs> like, oh shit, I got to get out of here. So he runs into the rest of this club. He gets the towel on, which I actually, I think I would have liked the scene a bit more if he doesn't even get the towel. If he's yeah. just running around, I understand why the towel's <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. But they could have gone yeah. real basket case there and have him just running around like a crazy man because he's being chased by this guy who will stop at nothing to murder him. And, I... and that's what this scene is. We just get to watch John Wick not giving a fuck and having nobody stand in his way while he is chasing this kid down. Do you think this film evoked a little bit of the... Um... Actually, this film might have come out before, but remember there was... Because eventually the fight scene, the shootout, makes its way up to like the main nightclub spot and you remember there's that big nightclub shooting in like orlando somewhere in florida i think this um, came out before that but i wonder I if remember. they would have done this scene a little differently if they i'm gonna look that up i think it was like orlando nightclub shooting 2016 okay so, oh, so two years after they would probably if this movie came out like soon after 2016 they probably mm-hmm. would have done this scene differently now yeah you probably do it however you wanted to because i think that there's the the famous example do you remember the movie The Gangster Squad? Yes, yeah. It's kind of a forgotten movie, but it's with um, Sean Penn, hero mm-hmm. of the Ukraine conflict. <laughs> yeah, I just saw an interview of him today. In the trailer, there's a scene where, I don't know if it's Ryan Gosling, it's it's a couple people, maybe it's the bad guys, they're walking down the alleys of a movie theater and they're shooting shooting up like the screen and stuff. And then the movie came out in like 2012, the Dark Knight Rises premiere happened or or not the premiere but you know the opening night the shooting in aurora Mm -hmm. and then they delayed gangster squad and when the movie eventually came out that scene whatever the hell scene that was and i think it was supposed to be the climax is not in the movie so i don't know if they reshot it or if they just re-edited it yeah but uh it's like okay yeah yes it's it's you have to change things if you're right after an incident a few years later maybe you're okay fighting hand to hand and like guns and stuff in clubs is always really cool because you have like the lights and like techno music and everything and it just makes it look super cool the john wick i'll say movies because this is true of the sequels just gorgeous movies to look at they have this like Mm -hmm. brightly colored but also like really dark kind of cinematographies like i've seen the the term neo-noir thrown around with them and yeah yeah i don't know it's just the movies look great i think even the third one the most the third one like I said, is my favorite. I think the third one is the most beautiful to look at, just from like okay. at like the variety of of scenes you get and the colors and like the stuff in the desert that was beautiful. But the first John Wick movie is still my favorite. Okay, 
Listen, there's no Boban in the in the first John Wick movie. Bo, <laughs> Boban, that's seven foot six. Um, I don't know if he's Serbian, but the NBA yeah, yeah. player yeah. who fights him in the in the New York Public Library. That's like one of my favorite yeah, action great. scenes ever. I love Boban. Great he's, he's great. Boban Marjanovic. Well, John Wick almost gets killed in this scene. We haven't. Yeah, so he, he gets, does. So, gets his ass handed to him eventually. Yeah, so he kind of gets overwhelmed by the amount of bodyguards that are there in the club mm-hmm. as he's chasing down Yosef and our Swiss model that we were talking about. He almost kills him. I think he he shoots him a couple times, like right in the chest. But he's wearing like a bulletproof vest underneath. Right. Him. Then he gets thrown over <laughs> like the balcony and lands flat on his back on like the dance floor. I was actually really confused by that scene. And again, going back to it's it's a nightclub. It's dark. They're both wearing suits. And so when they're fighting, I actually thought it was Daniel Bernhardt that got thrown on the ground. I didn't realize until oh. until you see him getting up. And then I'm like, oh, it's John Wick. Actually. Oh, no, it's John Wick. Yeah. So John realizes he's got to get out of there because like, like you said, he was almost killed. But as he's leaving, Yosef is already in a car and he's running and he's fled but he calls his friend to see if his friend is okay and john wick's on the (laughs) he's got his friend's phone in his pocket he's like he's dead (laughs) like john wick is such a cool character like if you had that guy chase like i would just kill myself honestly like if i knew somebody like john wick was coming to kill me or attempting to kill me i would just kill myself because there's no escaping it Anyways, he goes back to the Continental, has the in-house doctor stitch him up. And as he's kind of recuperating in his in his room in the Continental, Willem Dafoe snipes at him, but it's only to warn him of this mm-hmm. woman, Miss Parker, coming in to kill John Wick. Yeah, because um, eventually the bounty, because I think the bounty is $2 million, but it's raised to, I think it's doubled for anyone who's willing to break the Continental rules. Yes. Yeah, that's and, it. Yeah, And, and she's willing because she's a bitch. Well, sure. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Well, and I love, I, I don't know what it is. This is going to sound really wrong. I like, for some reason, watching <laughs> women get beat up in like an action movie like this. And well, I you don't, you don't see it often. You don't no, see exactly. it often. And it's interesting in, in, a, in a movie like this where she's incredibly competent as a, yeah. as a fighter. And it's kind of like an, it's, relatively an even fight especially when she discovers his um open wound and starts like poking at it and stuff yeah yeah and she's kicking it and stuff and and so i think that's that's where the enjoyment it's not enjoyable to see just a helpless woman get punched in the face in a movie but well in certain instances it might be because it's just like what the (laughs) fuck is (laughs) like uh like i talked about the the um i think this might have been in our commentary track but there's a twilight zone episode where a guy punches a woman in the face and she goes out a window and it's actually one of the funniest things ever just because how it's like shot or whatever but yeah no here i mean it's a good fight it's engaging he uh and he just like covers her face and in, in sheets which that's how he kind of gets the upper hand because she is yeah kind of kicking his ass for a while but uh, yeah and you're really rooting for john wick at this point you know and that's again what makes you hate such... women that's your yeah because i because <laughs> i hate women that's why i'm rooting for him but no you're rooting for john wick because you know I think the audience can really empathize with John Wick throughout the whole movie. And you're hoping he accomplishes his goal. And uh, yeah, so when he starts clobbering a woman, <laughs> it's kind of, you're like, yeah, go for it, John. Save yourself. He, he he eventually gets her out into the hallway and he does like subdue her and he gets a friend, another like assassin to to. Oh yeah, one of the neighboring um, hotel guests. So from her... She tells him that Vigo 
keeps like a bunch of valuable mob stuff and his money at this like i think it's like a russian orthodox church yeah but it's just a front for all of this like mob mob money right. and stuff so john wick goes there torches his money and other valuable mob stuff and Vigo shows. He shoots up. a bunch of people because because even even the priest is like a yeah. is like a <laughs> yeah. hitman. He's not yeah. like he, he's probably a real priest, but he's also a hitman. Yeah, so it's great. It's too. great. But he but he lets the innocent women. I mean, innocent in Babushka. terms of they're not they're not murdering oh, those... anyone. But the the women that are in the in the vault. Yes, that yeah. Are like he lets sorting them go. all the money. He lets them go. So he's not just murdering anyone. He's murdering people with guns for the most part. Yeah, John Wick lights all this stuff on fire and just walks away but that lures vigo to the church so john's trying to take vigo down outside of this church in like this i didn't really want to call it interesting like at this point it's just like a standard run-of-the-mill firefight this this was probably the least satisfying action scene of the movie i think not that it's bad but yeah there, but just, it wasn't it wasn't that unique and it was in broad daylight which compared to some of the you know the creative lighting and stuff we get in some of the indoor action scenes like it's not as fun to look at yeah. And the scene comes to an end when somebody hops in like an SUV and takes John Wick out, knocks him out. Mm-hmm. When he comes to, he is tied to a chair or being held to a chair in like this abandoned church. And it looks like John Wick is going to die here. You know, this one, this scene, I've got a bit of a problem with this. Okay, yeah. What is this? It? I understand in movies, you've got the whole bad guy captures the good guy. And and just like leaves him alive when he could easily kill kill him. Yeah. This movie, I guess maybe the burning all the money is what makes it personal, but like up to this point, it has not been personal with this bad guy. You'd think he would just kill him and you don't need to talk to him at all. Just murder him. Just move yeah. on with your life. At this point, I, I think this a little bit of a, like a Again, going back to the whole, you know, pumping your own gas in New Jersey thing, a little ruins the realism of this film. Just, just a tad. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get it, but I mean, you, you say it, you say it isn't personal, and you're right, it isn't really. But he's also it's John personal Wick, for John Wick to kill his son. But it's not personal for this other for this other. He, his kid sucks. He knows that. Um, <laughs> yeah, he knows that, but he doesn't he want his son to die. That. Well, I mean, what what makes the scene kind of silly for me is, you know, he has this kind of bad guy spiel. You know, he's like, you're not going to get out of this, John. You're This is the last thing you're ever going to do. You can't take down this thing that you've created, this powerful Russian mob that you've created, yada, yada, yada. And he walks away and he just leaves these two guys to suffocate John Wick in a, in a plastic bag. And then I don't know how, this is what I've always wondered. Willem Dafoe on a rooftop yeah. snipes one of these guys dead, and then John Wick kind of get, gains the upper hand when, mm-hmm. when he's just one-on-one. But how did Willem Dafoe see through like the covered-up windows? And and if he only sh- then why wouldn't he shoot the second Listen, guy? Listen, Willem Dafoe you know? is from Appleton, Wisconsin, which is also where Harry Houdini lived much of his life. That man learned some magic. There, there's something There's something in Appleton, Wisconsin. There's something about those people. <laughs> something in the water. Yeah, so anyways, to skip ahead a bit, John Wick uh, escapes and he runs through an alley and jumps out into the road with like a, this awesome shotgun thing. He starts shooting this SUV that V goes in and then he then the SUV crashes and he hops on top and he shoots the driver and then like aims it at Vigo. John Wick's going to kill him unless he gives him the information to where his son is hiding. And uh, Vigo finally tells him. He goes, "Okay, like I'm I'm going there to kill your son just to let you know." And Vigo goes, Okay. They, know, like, they uh, know you're coming. <laughs> I think is what he says. 
really, there's not, like, again, this isn't too exciting. John Wick kind of infiltrates this compound. He kills one of the snipers, takes out some other guys with the sniper rifle. And then I really like this scene where, like, Yosef's friends are playing Call of Duty or something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all you can hear is, like, this gunfire. And he's like, turn the fucking TV off, turn the volume down, whatever. And then his friend gets sniped right in the neck. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right in front of Yosef. That leads to all kinds of death and destruction on John Wick's part. And then he chases Yosef into this garage. This probably has the fewest deaths of any major action scene. There's probably only like six or seven people that get killed, if you think about it. He chases them into this garage and uh, blows up these cars so they can't get away. He corners this kid in between some shipping containers. And in the middle, like as this kid is saying, it was just a fucking dog. John Wick just walks up to him and shoots him right in the head Mm -hmm. and walks away. The absolute coldest way to take this guy out, I guess. Which well, technically also, the coldest way would be to like freeze him in liquid oh, nitrogen or something like that. <laughs> do like the Jason X kill or dump yeah. his head in liquid nitrogen <laughs> yeah. and just yeah, smash, and smash it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and also going back to my Netflix issue when it wasn't showing Russian subtitles, I think that scene when you see the subtitles, when like the kid is saying it was just a fucking duh and then gets shot, that adds so much more to the scene than watching or like listening to somebody speak Russian and then getting shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay. Sure, yeah, to, to know specifically what he's saying in that scene, yeah. sure. And I mean, like, he's going to get killed no matter what in this scene, but the fact that he, his last words, which he doesn't even quite finish, are like, you don't get it, this dog didn't mean jack shit. It's like, oh, that's that's the theme of the movie, is that the dog was more than a dog. It, it's- well, exactly, and, and that's great. Like, clearly, even as the guy's about to die, he still doesn't understand. You know, he still well, has and, no and for, for for all of what Alfie Allen knows, he he could be more pissed about the car than the dog. Yeah. Right? There's no there's no real Yeah. Well now it seems like everything's over. Willem Dafoe and Keanu Reeves are hanging out. Willem Dafoe's like, Hey, you know, I, I, I saved you a bunch of times, you know, aren't you gonna thank me? How many more times have I gotta save you? And uh they part ways, and that's it. Willem Dafoe goes home, but waiting for him is vigo and miss what was her name no it was miss perkins wasn't it did i call her parker was it perkins i I think you called her parker is it perkins i don't know maybe it's miss the lady from the continental she's there uh with vigo it is perkins okay they rough up willem dafoe and vigo's like lost it he's he's really angry at willem dafoe because he didn't even hire him he said hey if you want to make two million you can kill john wick and willem dafoe didn't have to kill him but in Vigo's right. mind, he's like, I asked you to do something, and because you didn't do it, my son is dead. Well, yeah, because he had opportunities. To, he could have just yes. shot him in the hotel. Exactly. He could have, yeah. Or Anytime. in the, or could have just let him die in the bad guy compound when he's yeah. like all tied up and everything. So Vigo just punches the shit out of poor Willem Dafoe. and. Right. Then he gets blasted like eight times. Roughing up that already <laughs> in the hideous face. But only after Willem Dafoe takes out like all the other Russians in the room. Which is yeah, pretty cool. Which, I mean, it's Willem Dafoe in an action scene. I don't quite buy it. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, Willem. You're a fantastic actor. It's great. Well, then John Wick discovers that he's been murdered. Uh, I think because Vigo calls him, right, and tells him. Obviously, again, angered at this, he tracks Vigo down, who's on his also, way to... Also, Miss yeah. Perkins gets murdered by Ian McShane oh, right outside yeah, the right. Bethesda Fountain in Central Park. Yeah, that that's a great... Four people with pistols all like line up 
diagonally from each other and shoot her, which seems like, you know, if one of those bullets dangerous. gets an entry <laughs> or gets an exit wound, you know, that could be, you know, not a great idea. But the whole thing is that she broke the continental rules. And I guess you're right. Ian McShane is the probably the head of that because he's the one that enforces this. I love that scene, too, because he just kind of steps out of out of the shadows and he goes, oh, Miss Perkins, your membership has been revoked. <laughs> and then she just gets killed. Like, it's just like, such a beautiful, beautiful scene. It's a great yeah, ending. Classic, for such a classic person. Lethal Weapon 2 moment. It's, it's just been revoked. <laughs> is that Lethal Weapon 2? <laughs> I think it's, I think it is. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> Back to John Wick and Vigo. Usually we've seen, like throughout the whole movie, we've seen John Wick taking people out in a, like a gunfu style sort of fighting moves. But now we right. get carfu. Car for who? Yeah. 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 Well, he's on his way to the helicopter. <laughs> he's got a helicopter to get wherever they're going. And John Wick catches up to them and runs a vehicle full of Russian dudes into like this <laughs> deep like construction site or something where they're where they're all immediately killed. They're around like a pier or something, aren't they? That's what it looks like. Yeah, eventually he crashes uh, Vigo's car and forces all these Russian dudes to get out and uh, and fight him. But John Wick doesn't get out of his awesome Chevy Chevelle SS. I think that's the car he's driving. Okay. And uh, and, and Mayhem like, is is badly injured at this point too. After the yeah, because he <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. one who he's like right on the side of of where it hits whatever it hits. He's, he's yeah, like uh, a post. I think Keanu Reeves is doing all of his own driving, except for maybe like the like the car crashing stuff. But okay. I think he's doing like the like the burnouts and the and the you know all the other shit. I guess. It's like a really impressive scene where he's just driving this car around and either hitting people with it or like smacking them with the rear end of his car as he's like spinning around. And he's also got a gun hanging out the window. And he's just like, it's just amazing. If you haven't seen John Wick, you have to see this movie. Sure. (laughs) You know, eventually he takes out everybody except for Vigo. And they fight like hand to hand to the death in the pouring rain. Mm-hmm. I, I always got a problem with, with a scene like this. I, I, I think this movie, I, th- I think I think we could have used one more like muscle character, like really intimidating yeah. secondary villain. Ultimately, Alfie Allen, not an imposing physical figure, and that's fine. He's no. still a villain. You still need to kill him. I understand that. This guy, too, not really a um, big, like, yeah, I, wa- he, I want he's, something he's just, more. I he's wa- just a father. You know, yeah, like, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, he's well, he's a, a he's a mo- he's a mob boss, but like, I want something more. Like, if you're going to have the big climactic scene, be hand hand combat. I, I want it to be someone more intimidating, someone more John Wick's equal. And I know John Wick's like injured to shit at this point, but you know, I wanted something more from this scene. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I agree because it is very much like a gentleman's agreement where they say like no more guns, and they start just fighting. And, and I'm thinking like. How many people have we seen John Wick murder at this point? I know. Like this this I know. should With be a two-second fight. Yeah, <laughs> know, this should yeah. be. Yeah. Also, it's now pouring rain. He's trying to get to the helicopter. Helicopter might not be able to take off at this point. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Helicopters are not good in yeah. in inclement weather. But yeah, so so eventually John Wick gets the upper hand and stabs him. And I think Vigo's last words are, John, I'll be seeing you. Which is kind of what John Wick says to everybody else throughout the movie. Does he? Say, when does he? Yeah, say? yeah. There's, there's all kinds of times when he's like, yeah, "I'll be seeing you." Oh, does, does he say that to like John Leguizamo? I don't remember that. I, I don't remember he him saying it. A to, damn he thing says in this it. Movie. I think doesn't he say it to Jimmy, the cop, when he shows up 
And he also says it to the cleaning crew. And he also says it to somebody else, I think. Anyways, but then we pick up where we began. John Wick is terribly, horribly, horrifically injured. He crawls out of his car, watches the video of his wife. But this time he stumbles into like like a vets or something or like yeah. like an he does the, he does the, the terminator three thing where he stumbles in in, in a into a vet vet or a pound because he's trying to get <laughs> trying to get pounded. medicinal help which is <laughs> that's what happens in terminator three because john connor ends up taking like chemically neutering medicine it's yeah. <laughs> the only thing i remember about terminator three i don't know why <laughs> Anyways, John Wick stitches himself up, and by stitches I mean he staples himself up, and then he steals somebody's dog, which it's is a like, fucking pound. He doesn't steal shit. That dog's going to be killed in in, in well, a is week. it a pound or is it, or if they're close to an airport, is it like a, is it like an animal oh, holding? Area? I wasn't thinking you know I mean? of that. I I think it's a pound. I think they would. I think someone was going to kill this pit bull. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Then down. then take it. Yeah. So then it's this cute gray pit bull, and then the movie ends with a shot of John Wick in this happy go lucky little puppy pit bull walking off along along the the waterside so what'd you think about john wick i know you said in i think the last episode we recorded that you hadn't seen the first one in a long time yeah so did it stand up i mean it was not like too long it was probably like two years ago or so it was better than i remembered it being it's a very good movie the action is is incredibly good in in this really is i mean there's a revenge plot but the plot, I mean, if you don't get a whole lot out of the revenge and the whole thing, I think you can still end up enjoying the movie because the action is that good. The We get we get basically three different types of action. We get gunplay. We get a lot of awesome hand-to-hand combat. And then we get uh, some great car stunts at the end. So overall, very satisfying. Great cinematography, great stunt work, great choreography. It's a very enjoyable movie. Jim, what about you? Yeah, uh, again, this movie, I said it earlier, this movie made me kind of fall in love with action movies again. I don't think I had seen an action movie, like a proper action movie, for years, maybe like five years. I I went out of my way actively to not watch action movies because they were all, because they were all the same thing. They were all the same fucking thing. Like all the Mission Impossibles are the same thing, other than Tom Cruise, he gets older and crazier in every one. I don't know if he gets crazier in the movies. He gets older. He gets crazier yeah. in real life, maybe. But I don't know about <laughs> exactly, that yeah. Is in the movies. But I didn't see John Wick until like uh, maybe like two or three months before the second one came out. Okay. Because this movie completely flew under the radar for me. I had no clue what it was. I didn't even know that it existed. For me, this movie is it's fantastic. It works. It's like It's like a perfect movie for me. I don't know why, but... I will say, like, I think the things that make this movie work so well are the character of John Wick and the world that, that he inhabits and that everybody else has to interact with. The world. There's there's world building. You, you don't typically associate world building with a relatively straightforward action thriller, but there is yeah, world yeah. building here. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, the thing that's neat about this movie is that we don't really have the world explained to us at all. We get it in bits and pieces. Uh, we understand that there's like hitmen, assassins, whatever they yeah. are. We understand that there are people who hire them to do things. They hang out at the Continental, which is a safe space, and that there are rules that Except govern. Except it isn't. I mean, yeah, you're right, the yeah. first movie where we have <laughs> yeah. that, it's, it's, it's violated frequently. Yeah. We, we understand that they have their own currency, you know? Sure. But that's all we really understand. Like, that's all we really know about the world, I guess. I mean, I agree with you. The movie's very good. It's funny you say this brought you kind of back to action movies. I think overall, 
this movie or the John Wick series has been a bit of a renaissance for action movies. I, I feel like there's a lot of people borrowing from John Wick now when they make mm-hmm. action movies. Like I'm thinking of um, Atomic Blonde. Oh, it yes. felt a yeah. bit John Wickian, especially with the lighting and stuff, because there's like club scenes and it felt a little John Wick, a little neo-noir kind of thing. And I haven't seen Nobody, but I kind of get the impression that's a little John Wick inspired. And there's other yeah. examples, I'm sure. If other movies aren't taking settings or kind of like snippets of the world from John Wick, then they're then they're lifting traits of the character and putting it on their but, characters. I know? mean, yeah, but John Wick isn't really an original character. Though. No, you're right. He's, he's not, not an original like... character, but I mean, they worked so hard to establish that John Wick is this kind of living legend that is both feared and respected. That's every spaghetti western ever, though. I well, mean, you're right, exactly. Been around for like a long time. Yeah, but I mean, in the in this kind of in this modern action, I can't even describe it. Like, because spaghetti westerns are different. You know, you, you get this kind of. What about James Bond? James Bond's a living legend. In in Diamonds Are Forever, there's a woman who's like, <laughs> "Oh my God, you killed James Bond!" because she knows who James Bond is. She can't recognize him. Maybe she can't recognize him because Sean Connery's put on 35 pounds last time he was James Bond. But yeah, so I don't know. I think there's little John. I think there's there's a there's a Bourne similarity even because everyone everyone knows Jason Bourne. Oh my God, it's Jason Bourne. Like you have that moment in like every Bourne movie. It's like, Jesus Christ, we're dealing with Jason Bourne here. It's kind of the same thing. I don't. Okay, I don't fine. really see to that as too too original. But I mean, I think the character works just fine. I don't have any complaints. Keanu Reeves. Perfect casting. He's perfect in this type of role for sure. Not perfect in too many other things. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula, much to do about everyone talks about Bram Stoker's Dracula. He's just as bad, if not worse, in much to do about nothing. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah, so he awful is. in he's that. He's terrible. All right, so you want to talk about another terrible film to follow yeah, of up course. on that last? Of okay, course. so <laughs> I've mentioned pieces a number of times. When we were talking about Grizzly, you know, with me and Feck, we mentioned Pieces as being the greatest movie ever made, which it might be. I think it's (laughs) the greatest exploitation movie ever made, or it's just about. But yeah, Pieces is a special movie. I I compared it to The Prowler earlier. I think Pieces is kind of a combination of two two movies we've done. A, The Prowler, in that it's just shameless. (laughs) Like, the plot doesn't really matter. We're just killing people. We're throwing nudity at you. We're throwing nudity at you with some of the kills. Yeah. <laughs> and the kills are as violent and as elaborate as they can be. It's meant to kind of disgust you. And then I think the other movie <laughs> I'd compare it to, I think it's kind of a combination of these two things. I'd say Sleepaway Camp because Sleepaway Camp has just that weirdness factor. Yeah. Pieces has Sleepaway Camp moments, whether it's just some of the weird dialogue, some of the weird stuff that happens, notably the Kung Fu professor being maybe the greatest scene in in cinema history. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to start off this by saying you need to see pieces. If if you like horror movies, if you like slasher movies, if you like so bad they're good movies, I think pieces is something special. And I think it's it's so weird that like Sleepaway Camp, it's it's for me anyways, it's a bit more than just a so bad it's good movie. I don't know. It's just it's a fascinating movie though to me. It's also pretty close to like it's certainly it's it is firmly a B movie. I think we can. Oh, say yeah, it's an exploitation film, but it's not that far off from being like an actual movie. You know what I mean? That's just what slasher movies were. The slasher movies 
it's a kind of a, a subgenre of exploitation. Not all slasher movies were exploitation movies. The original Halloween, not really an exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, not an exploitation movie. But like all the other ones, kind of were. Like even the if you call the if you consider the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre to be a slasher movie, some people consider that the first. That is firmly an exploitation movie. It's just a well-made exploitation movie. It's not exploitation has nothing to do with the film's quality. It's just yes, yeah, more what they're going for. And there are a lot of very very good exploitation movies. This one I'm not sure is a good example of one, but mention the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Basket Case, well-made exploitation movie. So Pieces, first of all, is, I knew it was a Spanish movie. I thought it was a Spanish-Italian production. I guess it's not. It's, IMDb lists it as only Spanish. Wikipedia says it's Spanish, American, and Puerto Rican. That's what I saw, yeah. Which your bet, you know, your guess is as good as mine if if the American-Puerto Rican is is it's American because it's Puerto Rican, because Puerto Rico is a territory. But I, I don't know. I mean... This movie obviously has American actors in it. It has British actors in it. It has it has a Bruce Plotation actor in it. I don't know if he was one of the <laughs> Taiwanese ones or if he's one of the Hong Kong actors. I would have oh to my look God. that up. I think it's Bruce Lay. This is the United Nations of movies. Uh, he's he's Taiwanese. Okay, so we've got a Taiwanese um, Bruce Lee. I did look up his IMDb and there's pictures of him all over with the <laughs> Game of Death tracksuit and stuff. And it's like, of course. So anyways... Uh. So Pieces is a, is a Spanish movie, I guess, but it has that Italian feel of everything's dubbed. Yeah. And some of the people are, are dubbed in their voices, I assume. I know Edmund Perdam, who plays the dean, I know he was an English actor. I assume that's his voice. It's definitely Christopher George's voice mm-hmm. as, as Lieutenant Bracken, I think was his name. Like um, that because the Christopher George awesome voice. We got to talk about the opening scene, of course, because the opening <laughs> scene is odd and bizarre. <laughs> so we open in Boston, 1942. Please note the New England Patriots pennant, which they they did not become a team until like 1960 or something <laughs> like that. So it's like, yeah, fuck it, we don't. Uh, know. Well, it's, it's it's some Spanish guy who's like, yeah, Boston, you know, you know, they don't. You think the set decorator knew when the when the no, Patriots became a team when the <laughs> AFL became a, a thing? Also, the phone. Yeah, in 1942, he, everything would have been, um, what do you rotary? call that? The roto, ro- rotary. Yeah, this is not a rotary phone. This is yeah, it's, buttons. It's I, a touchdown, right? Those, yeah. I don't think those were around in 1942. Pretty sure not. <laughs> but they may very well have had nudie puzzles because that's what this child is playing with. What's his name? Timmy? Timmy. Timmy, yeah. Tommy, <laughs> Tim, Timmy, yeah. He's assembling a nude puzzle and his mom comes over and is like, oh my God, what are you doing? And then smacks him around and then immediately starts <laughs> looking for whatever yeah. porn he has in his she room. She starts verbally and physically abusing him. It's amazing. And then she like <laughs> breaks the mirror and she's like, here, go get a garbage bag because we're going to throw all this shit out. And it's like amazing. It's like, yeah, I understand being angry, but it's just like we immediately hit 11 here. Yeah, but she, yeah, she should be hauled away by police for child protective <laughs> services. Yeah, exactly. Listen, 1942, you know, they didn't care. The war was but, on. Oh, yeah, oh, kids she couldn't even does have porn. Yeah, she does all this like you're just like your father. You're useless. And she just yeah. she says stuff like that. <laughs> Instead of going to get a garbage bag, Timmy comes back with an axe yeah. and <laughs> hits her uh, numerous times in the head. And it's, it's blood everywhere. It's very, very violent. And this, like, right off the bat, you know what movie you're 
in for. 100%. I mean, I guess you kind of you kind of know with the nude puzzle to begin with, but all automatically it's like, oh, we're, not only do we get a violent, you know, axe through the head multiple times in the opening scene, it's done by a kid. Like this is yeah. kind of amazing, <laughs> and this is really we're setting up for something special here. And then the cops arrive. And I mean, the room is just covered in blood. Like, I don't even know how all that makes sense, but <laughs> they find the decapitated head in the closet. Mm. And then they find little Timmy in another closet and he's crying because he's playing the victim. He, he's pretending he saw all this happen. He is such a prick. A little faker. He's setting up to become a psychopath. Obviously he is as an adult, he becomes the killer the rest of the movie. So anyways, then we get kind of a weird opening credit sequence. And I say weird because everything's written like it should be like in blood, but yeah. they didn't fill in the with color, so it's just white, like the font. Yeah. It's very bizarre. Yeah, it's like it's you, you can imagine everything's <laughs> supposed to be in red, but they just like forgot to to do it or something. And then I guess we after the whole Timmy, the little Timmy instance, we pick up, we're 40 years later. We get another bizarre scene where a woman is skateboarding down along a college campus and like straight out of a silent movie or like a cartoon there's two movers moving a giant plate of glass like a mirror Mm -hmm. and she crashes into it the movie (laughs) never really makes it clear i mean we see like a little flashback of of the mother breaking the mirror so i guess the killer adult timmy sees this and that's what makes him snap but we don't it's never really made clear but that's uh, we understand what that's what's happening i guess yeah i mean and and does does the woman die like it's like that's that's a, a bit of confusion. I I don't think so. But when in the scene, the scene when we have like cops later on, because before we get the cops, like in this very next scene, someone does die. Yeah. But then we get like cops talking. And I think someone says something. I don't know if it's the dean or someone says like, oh, I think we'll just have to consider it an accident now. And it's like, OK, we just had someone. We'll get to it. But someone was beheaded by a chainsaw. <laughs> You can't really call that an accident. You can call the, no. the mirror thing an accident. So I don't, it's it's not really clear which which woman they're talking about. I mean, but yeah, because the very next scene, there's this woman studying, you know, doing her homework alone in this grassy space. And there's someone with a chainsaw is there. And she's like, hey, can you keep it down or something? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, it'll just be a minute. And then he comes back and decapitates her with the chainsaw. There's like a splash of blood. There's actually, it's a pretty neat shot when the killer is kind of swinging through. Yeah. uh, Because the sun's behind him. And and then you see the body drop to the ground, no head. It's pretty great. (laughs) And also at, at this time, the killer, you know, we see it's the classic black glove black coat giallo setup which is another reason why this feels a little italian maybe but they're, they're kind of stealing, <laughs> from, a the, italian. <laughs> stealing from the italian tradition ironically because we all know the italians steal from everybody else <laughs> Those damn but we have the killer assembling well he takes out the box where like all of his mother's stuff was and mm-hmm. you get the shoes with everything still covered in blood so he takes out the shoes the dress and the puzzle over the course of the movie he starts reassembling the puzzle and it's not really clear at in the moment i don't think but he's taking parts of the bodies and just building a new body it's like yeah that wasn't always clear at certain points but that's what he's doing so he takes this woman's this this student's head 
And he doesn't take anything from the, um, to my knowledge, he does not take anything from the woman who crashed into the mirror. So maybe she didn't die. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we've got a couple of cops on the scene. We've got one guy who looks like Leslie Nielsen. And we've got, (laughs) um, or not Sheriff. I almost said Sheriff Brackett because that's the name of the guy in Halloween. But Lieutenant Brackin, who is Christopher George, one of my favorite actors of this era, in part because he was relatively famous and relatively accomplished and said, yeah, sure, I'll appear in pieces. I don't give a shit. Like, I, I just really respect that move for, for a guy who's as accomplished. I mean, he was I mean, A-lister, maybe not the right term, but he was like a, a lead on a television show not that long ago. And, you know, it's the 70s. There's only three channels. So uh, yeah. any like primetime network was a big deal. Yeah, any primetime show. And he's the lead in Grizzly, which shockingly was a hit movie, you know. So, I mean... <laughs> He's got a career. He didn't need to go and do like, Yeah, pieces. give me pieces. Sounds yeah, like a great movie. He's, he's fresh off of Enter the Ninja, of course, where he was the <laughs> villain in that. Yeah. And then we've got Dean Foley, played by Edmund Perdom, who, like I said, Edmund Perdom's a British actor. The The dubbing is clearly British, so I assume it's Perdom doing the dub. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Definitely Christopher George do, does his own dub. The other guy, I don't think he does his dub, the Leslie Nielsen guy, because that seems to be some of the least consistent dubbing, I think, of, of in yeah, terms yeah. of just the mouth matching. But, I mean, that could be any number of reasons. That and, like, the, the gardener guy. Oh, yeah. And that, that's, I'm, I'm, I could be mistaken. That guy, that guy's, that actor, um, the John Reese davies guy, the giant, giant John <laughs> Reese davies Yeah. Is, his name giant is Paul John. L. Smith. He plays Bluto in the Popeye movie with uh, oh. Robin Williams and she- Shelley Duvall. Um, which I mean, he looks, it's the perfect look for it. I'm pretty sure he's dubbed by Edward Mannix, who I, we've mentioned him before. Edward Mannix dubs someone in this movie. And there's a few people that kind of sound alike, but I think he's the gardener. Yes. Yeah. Willard. So we also meet a professor. This is professor Brown. And I mean, he speaks with Bracken and, and Foley and uh, not really sure why he's like a professor of anatomy, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, because he's got skulls on his desk, which yeah, is great. Says, yeah, and he picks up one skull and shows it to the to uh, yeah. lieutenant, and he goes, "Oh, it's the skull of a sixteen-year-old girl." And he's like, "Oh, is it?" And he's like, "Yeah, it was given to me by a student uh, in the 60s. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, good." Also, he's introduced. The way he's introduced is, is is fascinating. And going back to the like the sleepaway camp moments of just like, "What the fuck's going on?" <laughs> There's this student, this attractive female student, that goes up uh, to him. There's a few girls throughout the movie that like talk about having a crush on this guy. And meanwhile, he's yeah. like, as far as professors go, maybe he's not bad, but he's got to be he's more nothing, attractive. He's, he's nothing to write home about. You know? Exactly. Exactly. But she goes up to him and she's like, Professor, where are the pectorals? Because my friends always make fun of me. They say mine are funny. And the camera kind of zooms in on her boobs <laughs> and stuff. And it's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't. She's wearing a sweater, but you know. And then he's just like, "Oh, well, you don't trust me. You don't have anything to worry about, there, ma'am." And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, "Okay, this movie is sleazy." And she, well, she's also like smoking weed in the hallway with her know, yeah. friends right before she does that. Right before she has that exchange. Yeah, what kind of high school is this? Or college is this? This is awesome. They never say, but they they say it's Boston. I think it's supposed to be like Harvard. I think I think that's the reason this movie's set in Boston because I think oh. Spain is just like okay, we want a movie set in college. Uh, Boston What's an American has a lot college? of colleges. Let's let's do. <laughs> yeah. so they never say Harvard, obviously, but it's supposed. Maybe it's Harvard. Maybe it's. MIT, maybe it's 
Boston College, Boston University. It could be Tufts. There's a lot of a lot of oh schools out God. there. But I like to think that these idiot students. I like to think that Harvard has a kung fu professor. I'll put it yeah. that way. <laughs> they better. I don't think MIT would. I think that's a Harvard thing. Maybe Tufts. We then meet one more character, and this is he's he looks like a giant fucking nerd. He's he's in his um. <laughs> He's in the library. He's, he's wearing like baby blue. Like yeah. he just looks like a loser and he's wearing glasses. And this gorgeous blonde tosses him a note that says like, hey, I want I want to do it in the pool with you. Meet me there in a bit. And he's just like, Ooh. and then yeah. he goes to um, toss his um, tosses uh, the note into the garbage. But since he misses the garbage, the killer ends up picking it up and the killer reads it. And so that's why this woman gets killed because the killer is able to read the note. Had he just been competent at shooting had he not been russell westbrook this woman would still be alive because okay so then she skinny dips in the pool obviously well it takes her a long time to get there as well by that i mean yeah she gets to the pool she takes her clothes off she's already wearing her bathing suit i wear my bathing suit all the time when i go to the library just under my jeans (laughs) all the time yeah but it's like they wanted like a couple like glamour shots of her Mm -hmm. wearing this bikini before she got into the pool because she's like standing there wearing this bikini for like 15 She's undressing seconds, right in front of a giant off. window. I know. I know. Which is <laughs> funny. Yeah. Which, by the way, you wouldn't have known this, Patrick, but in this movie, we got a special cameo by something that I wrote my dissertation on. It was Sir Christopher Wren's stall system of shelving books in the library. They had okay. Wren's stalls. And I was like, oh, look! I paused. I was like, oh, shit! Christopher Wren invented those. It's, uh, so Christopher Wren uh, worked at Harvard, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah, exactly. Spanish university this was filmed at. Yeah, he, I think it's his, like the University of Madrid or University of His office of was right next to the Kung Fu professor's office. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so the woman, she's, she's uh, swimming. Killer comes in, pulls her out of the pool with like the pool cleaner uses the, like, <laughs> yeah, covers yeah. her head with yeah, that with the, and just kinda, <laughs> yeah pu- pulls her up and then he goes and gets his chainsaw and thankfully she doesn't get up in all this time because yeah she's I, I guess she was almost drowned even though we didn't really see it she's above above the water when she's being yanked at yeah, with the, yeah. <laughs> with the uh, net i think but i think she's like trying to recover and of course she's topless you know so we get those gratuitous shots and then killer decapitates her again i guess this time he takes the torso away because you see him going into like a freezer with a giant bloody Bloody bag bag. and you see that the head is already there so i guess he takes the torso here and later on when we see the body there's just like arms and legs like there's just like a pieces here and there (laughs) there's pieces exactly well that's the title of the film of course but meanwhile kendall the nerd kid has gotten a note from his friend, who looks like maybe even a bigger nerd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the note is telling him to go see the dean or something. It's it's like a note from the dean. And we never find out what the note is. The note is important because they bring it up later. And they determine that, oh, actually, this note, because the killer must have read your note. And so the killer gave you this note to make sure that you couldn't go to the pool. And so that's how she died. Like you would have been there otherwise, but like the note. But but he winds. We up never establish what the note. That anyways, he like ends up going scene. to the pool, and they they question him about that later because they're like, "Why did you still go to the pool?" And he's like, "Oh, I just had a bad feeling." But they never discuss the contents yeah. of the note. It's so weird because <laughs> <laughs> the note's important. They bring it up. Yeah. Anyways, he he goes to the pool, and at this point, um, 
giant John Reese Davis, groundskeeper Willard, is there and he sees his chainsaw. I guess it's his chainsaw. We see him with the chainsaw at one point, and he is blood covering it, and he touches it and gets blood on it, and then and then he chases after Kendall. Kendall gets out the door, and then all of a sudden, cops emerge and they start and kendall fighting. with there's a two like, by four there's like a, yeah kendall this is so confusing because later on kendall is employed i guess by the police he gets deputized basically yeah yeah he, or he he becomes a little uh, a, a tiny detective but in yeah. this scene he's like helping the cops it's very bizarre because you you almost think like did i miss it? is this guy an undercover cop because he takes out the two by four because they're all fighting uh willard <laughs> it's just very bizarre in some ways, it feels like this movie's out of order. But we'll get to that <laughs> later on because there's a scene where the killer stalks the aerobics class. Yes. And then doesn't kill anyone. And then later on, he just shows up at the aerobics class another night and kills someone. It's like, yeah. a, well, I guess they do kind of. Well, yeah, he kind of chases after the woman, but then another woman comes out of the yeah, bathroom. Her friend so, was okay. there. Yeah, I guess this guy can't kill two people at once. We know that. God forbid. So we're here at this crime scene at the pool. Willard has been taken away. And then they have Professor Brown come in. This is one of the funnier moments. They have Professor Brown come in and look at the chainsaw and look at the head and all these like other body parts. Lieutenant Bracken, Christopher George, is like, tell me, Professor, do you think a chainsaw could have done that? <laughs> yeah. And it's like the chainsaw's right there. What the fuck is yeah. that about? Yeah. What did he say? I, He's like, I think even the untrained eye could... Yeah, exactly. Could see that the chainsaw did this. <laughs> well, he's, he, you got to be thinking, like, you pulled me from my office for this? It's like the chainsaw's right there. It's covered in blood. Also, the, the professor, he touches the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And that's supposed to be, they're setting up Willard and the professor are the two red herrings here. It's, it's fairly obvious they're not the killers, in my opinion, but they were, we're really pushing them as possibilities. Yes, yeah. I, I think um, Willard even more obviously than... Professor Brown, because Willard, every single scene with Willard, the groundskeeper, he's got this like suspicious look on his face. He's got like one eyebrow raised, <laughs> yeah. one down, and he's just like you can't see one of his everybody. eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's just like they, 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 someone told him to look suspicious at all times, and it's I know. great. <laughs> so at this point, Lieutenant Bracken essentially deputizes Kendall. Also, Kendall speaks to uh, the police psychiatrist like their criminal profiler guy because they're trying to find out who, who the killer is obviously bracken really really trusts kendall we have no idea why yeah he just does he has a good yeah. feeling about this kid and then we also meet this other undercover police officer which is even more confusing because she's a professional <laughs> tennis player <laughs> yeah is she retired is she yeah, a I... tennis player while she's a... because she works at the police station in some capacity yeah yeah, and it's like when Kendall sees her, confusing. her name's what Mary, Mary something. But yeah, Mary. Yeah, but like when he um, sees her, he's like, "Oh my god, you're that famous tennis." Yeah, he player. knows her. He and recognizes like, yeah, her. Yeah, I am. Mary, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be working at your school undercover as the new tennis coach. Yeah, yeah. Which, by Which, the way, right after that scene, it cuts to her playing tennis, but she's, she's not even awful. playing tennis. But she's not even playing tennis correctly. Did you notice? No. They neither actresses in that scene know how to play tennis. I don't know either, but it's very clearly Mary barely moves. She mostly just hits the ball when it comes at her. But afterwards, the Mary Riggs speaks a little bit to the Dean and then also speaks a little bit to Kendall. Kendall is supposed to keep an eye on her, even though she is a police officer, I guess. And he's not. You'd think it would be the other way around. But she's a woman, so she's weak and feeble and even though she's a professional athlete, you know, I guess. I mean, so we're told. 
it's just a weird setup. The the undercover, like, well, again, because the whole thing is the dean wants to keep everything under wraps, right? We we don't want to yeah. yeah. be talking about the murders. And again, they think the first murder is an accident, which someone was beheaded with a chainsaw. That's not an accident. We also get in this scene the the journalist who wants to ask the dean some questions. That never really goes anywhere other than the journalist gets killed later. Yeah. Completely unimportant. She's also a terrible journalist or I should say a terrible investigator because she opens up like a sauna, sees the chainsaw, and then just goes back about her like no reaction whatsoever. She's seen the murder weapon. I don't know. It just this movie. It's it's spiritually it's an Italian movie. It's just like things don't make sense. <laughs> things are weird. The dialogue are weird. It's weird. Spiritually, it's an Italian film, and that's what I you know respect about it. But so where where does that take us after the wonderful tennis scene? Doesn't that take us straight to um, oh then no the, then that chick? no that's later because we get the aerobic scene first, which takes forever and oh, yeah. ultimately doesn't <laughs> lead to anything because the killers following the aerobics student but then another woman emerges so he just gives up but later on he kills yeah well actually so um, we kind of did it out of oh excuse me the aerobics comes before before the tennis yeah the aerobics the successful aerobics murder comes after the tennis when this seems very funny because well first of all it's poorly constructed because aerobic woman she turns off the music and starts like changing out of her shoes and stuff and the score picks up like there's tension but we're never sure if she knows there's tension or not we're never sure if she knows that there's a killer around because (laughs) when she's like running in the hallway she is kind of running but but she's kind of just taking her time like changing clothes and stuff it's very bizarre but there is a neat shot when after she leaves the aerobic studio or whatever then we see it's dark and then the the other door opens and the there's some neat lighting when the killer comes in but anyways this this scene kind of culminates in a very fun little thing because she's again she's like panicking now and we don't really we, we we never get a shot of her like recognizing that oh there's I'm being stalked yeah she just starts panicking it's very bizarre and she's at the elevator which the elevator is like a window it's very strange the door to the elevator is like a glass window or something yeah but then she gets scared and then she's like oh it's you. And then she gets into the el- the, the elevator rise. Is she that the gets name into of the, the elevator, professor. Um, no, we never get that guy's name. And then the <laughs> the oh, it's you, person. The killer enters the the, the the elevator very clearly, holding a chainsaw. Like yeah. it's behind his <laughs> yeah. back, but you yeah. can see it. It's a little difficult no to hold way. a chainsaw behind your back to hide there's a chainsaw no, behind you. There's no way in hell this woman wouldn't have noticed the chainsaw, even like as he's entering. The elevator she didn't see it before you can see the elevator it, it then and anyways he starts it up cuts her in half <laughs> kendall as well as a couple of cops hear it outside kendall breaks into the whatever student building this is and and then they find her she's like cutting half or no she's got her arm cut off yeah there's no killer there so they figured they must have scared the killer off and we find out when um bracken is there that the woman's actually still alive then they say something. The doctor says, like, I'm doing everything I can, but she's not going to make it. So why is she still yeah. alive? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Might as well be dead. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then every single red herring conveniently shows up yes. <laughs> to, this, to the scene of the crime as the, like, I remember Professor Brown comes downstairs. 
and then uh, Bracken's like, where the hell were you? How did you, why did you come over here? He was like, I was in the library upstairs. Yeah, there's a suspicious <laughs> answer. And then Bracken's like, I'll talk to you later. But then notice he never follows up with questions <laughs> for that guy. Someone yeah. else does. Someone else questions him, but it's like way later in the movie. It's just a poorly constructed film, but it's wonderful. You know, uh, John Reese davies is here at the um, yeah at the crime scene, still doing his like one eyebrow yeah. raised look. <laughs> uh, like he yeah. does that all the time. This is the first time in the movie though that the dean shows up and he looks like a little ruffled, like he's fixing his clothing. Okay. You know, and he's walking towards everybody. He's kind of like padding his uh, his suit. Well, yeah, like, I, I guess I said all of our red herrings showed up. I, I really should say all of our suspects showed up because the dean, the end of the day. I mean, who are, who are the suspects otherwise? It's it, At one point, one of the cops is like, uh, I don't know if we trust Kendall. He's a suspect. But then again, yeah. Christopher George, for whatever reason, like trusts his life with this kid. <laughs> for he's whatever like, no, reason. no, he's not a suspect. We don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's logically, there's no real reason why Kendall wouldn't be a suspect, but he's just not for whatever reason. So, who are our other characters then that don't get murdered? It's, it's um, cops slash undercover tennis instructors, and then it's, slash women who want to talk to the dean to talk about murders. And, oh, and reporter. Yeah, there's the reporter in one scene, two scenes, and then there's the woman with who asks about where boobs are. It's yeah. her. There's that student. I don't think she gets killed, right? I don't think I don't she think comes so. back. I think she's just in that one scene. Yeah, so we've got a plethora of suspects here. Then we've got the dean, and I guess maybe the dean's secretary mm-hmm. was. There was a little bit of like suspicion around her because I think she was the one who had the note for Kendall. In yes, yeah. Again, the note. Then nothing really becomes clear about any of that. So I don't really know. You say we don't see that the the girl who's talking about her boobs earlier, but I think we see her in this next scene. Isn't she the one in bed with Kendall? Maybe I. Well, I don't know. Yeah, because this is the next scene. So this is, and this is again just like yeah, we're throwing nudity in here, <laughs> but it's just like a it's it's just a strange scene. Because she's like moaning and then Kendall's like, hey, can you be quiet? And he like gets out of bed because he, he's looking and he sees um, Mary walking around with a flashlight outside. But then she's just like, oh, wait, come back. Come back. I'll be quiet. I promise. And there's like all this. I'm like, this is just weird. She's like, You this can is... choke me if you want. Yeah. there's or You can gag also, me. Or, yeah. Also, is just... this the first movie we've done for the podcast where there's full frontal male nudity? No, no, no. That would be sleepaway, sleepaway camp. camp, right? Sleepaway camp, notably. <laughs> also, almost kind of Dolomite. Because that towel. Oh yeah, uh, remember I, I, with the, I'd count with that. The I'd count high that. pike. I'd yeah, high pike. So this is like the third movie we've done where it's full frontal male. So Kendall goes outside, meets. Well, he doesn't get to Mary yet. So Mary is being stalked by the killer, who's wearing all black, but has this bright yellow chainsaw. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then she gets attacked by this Asian gentleman by Bruce Lay, <laughs> who starts kicking, punching. Like he kicks the gun out of her hand. Gun fu. Yeah, he's doing all this thing. And then he just drops over. He just falls to the ground. It's like he dies. And yeah. you're like, what is this? And then and then Kendall enters. He, he's got his like dirt bike or motorcycle or something. Yeah, yeah. He gets off the bike and is like, oh, oh, hey, that's just my kung fu professor. And he like helps him up from the ground. <laughs> so what the hell? And then this, they're trying to find out like, hey, why did you attack her? And he's like, oh, you know, I had... Uh, bad was it bad 
I, I don't remember what he says. He blames the food he had, and it's yeah. an Asian food. I no, is it no, no, wonton? No, they're like, oh no, it's bad chop suey. Bad chop suey. Like, why did you attack her? And he's like, oh, you know, you you, you got to be careful with a killer around or whatever. And then he's like, well, why did you fall over? He's like, oh, bad chop suey. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, okay, I gotta run. So the, so the scene starts racist because it's this <laughs> Asian guy immediately attacking, and then it ends racist too. <laughs> right <laughs> it does i don't understand that was probably my favorite scene in this movie that is <laughs> my favorite scene by far there's a there, well there's a scene that later on that competes but this is my favorite scene because of the pure randomness there is actually an explanation um one of the producers or screenwriters or maybe both i'm looking at the name here dick randall who is a <laughs> co-writer as well as a co-producer he made a bunch of bruce plantation movies he, he produced oh. a lot of those movies uh. and so he had like <laughs> access to bruce lay and is like hey uh. appear in this this will kind of act as like an advertisement for whatever bruce plantation movie they were working on at the time who knows this will so there's, act as an advertising uh, as an there's an explanation falling down <laughs> like there's an like... explanation but the explanation is not satisfying in any way <laughs> as to why that's in the movie still exactly no, there's yeah. no good reason but it's just, it, it's an incredible scene. It really, it makes the movie in a lot of ways. But <laughs> anyway, so this is the scene then when Kendall and uh, Mary go off, I guess, investigating. Mm-hmm. But the journalist gets into whatever building they had almost gotten into, whatever door that they were like outside when the Kung Fu professor attacked. Yeah. And this is where she opens the sauna, sees the chainsaw, no reaction. And then she gets attacked by the killer the killer this time using a knife because the chainsaw's in the sauna even though he was in the sauna <laughs> we saw him we oh, saw was... him in the sauna we saw he moved like while she was like closing the door oh really i didn't even know yeah and he's got the knife and he attacks her is that a water bed what is that yeah well earlier in the movie they were saying something that when the kids were the pectoral pot. woman was talking about yeah, there's yeah, nothing better than having sex smoking meat and having sex on a waterbed yeah because yeah. they're saying one of the buildings got a waterbed in it but yeah it's like a little i've oh, never seen it? a waterbed yeah. that small it's like a single-sized <laughs> water it's bed. also like where is it like what yeah, is this room yeah it's just a room with a waterbed it looks like a shed it looks like yeah. it'd be like a, you'd have like a keep your like hammers yeah. and um screwdrivers there that's what it looks like which is but, bad for a waterbed keep those away from waterbeds yeah well ex- eventually because the knife opens up the waterbed obviously but this is a fun scene it's shot in slow motion it ends obviously with the knife through the back of the head and you know through the mouth which we saw that in House by the Cemetery. It's in Psycho 2. Mm-hmm. But I, what I really enjoy about this scene is that the last shot from above, which is, I think this is supposed to be the stab that goes through the mouth. You see it and the knife, very clearly a prop knife, just like bends. Yeah. And he like basically, he hits the head, but then it just like goes off to the side because it's just like a rubber knife. Yeah. And that's the shot. And then they cut from that immediately to the knife through the mouth, which is very that's enjoyable great. for me. Yeah, and you know, and also the slow mo on the waterbed was it, it was really neat, honestly. Like, and it was cool to see the water turn red with blood. Yeah, that was then... that. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Okay, so Mary kisses Kendall goodnight for some reason, and then Kendall's weird nerdy friend greets well, him outside Mary's room, and he screams, and then he just taunts him. He says Casanova. The scene is weird. Because he takes Mary home. You can say that about every every scene, essentially, but yes. Yeah, well, he takes Mary home. Mary goes, hey, thanks for looking out for me tonight. 
Oh yeah, he basically asked like, "Hey, can I come in and bang?" Yeah, that's basically. He's like, "Oh, are you up?" And then she says, "Okay." Seventeen-year-old with this (laughs) thirty-five-year-old. No, I know. Who, by the way, I don't know if we've said this is Linda Day George, Christopher George's wife of about ten, twelve years when this movie was made. Mm -hmm. I would like to think that this is the movie where they met and fell in love because that would just be funny because it's pieces. It's like the (laughs) trashiest movie ever, but it's not. They were married already. But it's weird because like. Like, it's just so cringy, almost, you know? Like, she's like, okay, good night. And he goes, oh, yeah. aren't you making coffee? Yeah. And she's like, no, good night. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. But but then how about the friend popping up for no yeah. reason? He just shows up out of nowhere wearing, like, a weird mask, a la yeah. uh, that stupid friend in Friday the 13th Part part 3. Right. So, yeah, he just shows up and goes, Wah! then lifts his mask and laughs and goes, Casanova, and then just slinks into the shadows. And you're like, what, what I enjoy fuck? most about that scene, is though, is, I mean, it's completely random, but I enjoy how Kendall legitimately screams. Yes, yeah. And he is right outside Mary's door. <laughs> and Mary yeah. doesn't, like, go back to see if he's okay or anything. Yeah. Like, she, she, couldn't have, like, she couldn't have gotten more than three feet from the door. Exactly. The time yeah, she, she just... <laughs> She just got knocked right out, just fell, slumped into her bed and fell right asleep, I guess. But, oh, man, that's a weird scene. That's like the only scene where there's really romantic or sexual tension chemistry between the two of them, I think. Yeah, I... I, th- I think? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. And that's also the last scene, I think, where... There... Oh, no, I guess that's not true. Well, there's a bit of stuff at the end, but it's nothing substantial you're, you're calling it sexual tension when he's trying to help a woman who's paralyzed that's sexual tension no to you? no 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 afterwards when he goes over and she's she's all right and she's laying okay. on the couch and she's like yeah oh. okay there's, there's a little something something there maybe okay yeah. anyways this next scene we see mary's old tennis opponent she's practicing tennis on the court and then the music comes on very loud on the speakers mm-hmm. she goes inside the locker room Takes a shower, of course, we see it all because this is a cheesy yes. exploitation movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eventually the killer chases her, kills her in the bed. She has she has her pants on at this point, but mm-hmm. still no top. And he kills her in the bathroom. There we get a little close up of her peeing her pants yeah. first. Yeah. That's which lovely. I think that's supposed to be like a dark humor thing because she's in the bathroom. Get it? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> we didn't need it, is the is the yeah. bottom line. We did not need this this little shot. But it's pretty incredible. She gets cut in half, like the torso. I guess the killer takes her legs, right? Because we see yeah. the torso. We see the yeah, it's the torso up, up right in the... which means the legs he takes home. They have pee on them. Just throwing that out. Gross. There. <laughs> but anyways, while this is happening, Mary and Kendall are trying to turn off the music, and they find Willard, and Willard is who's looking suspicious, <laughs> being very suspicious again. <laughs> But yeah. he's like, I'll agree. We'll turn we'll turn off the music. And then because he's got his keys. But then when they go into the room to turn off the thing, then he realizes, wait, these aren't my keys, <laughs> Yeah, which that goes nowhere. He didn't even need the keys to turn the thing off. No, not. To, but he needed them to get into the room, though. Yeah, I guess so. But I guess the killer stole his keys. But the killer must also have given him the same set of keys. Yeah. Like replaced them. So why did the killer steal the keys? Who knows? Yeah, and how? Yeah, and how does he know that they're not his keys if he has the exact same set of keys? I would imagine he's got like a little, like not like, like a, a lanyard, but a little a, something on there, like a, a keychain with like a du- yeah. with, with like a W attached to it. So uh, at the, while this happens, Kendall enters the women's locker room for what just seems out of 
sure curiosity. I don't think he, I think he just wants to break into the women's locker room. I don't think he has reason to believe there's a body in there. Yeah. But he yeah. finds the body. This leads to the second best scene of the movie, arguably the best, but I'm a big Kung Fu professor fan. But after <laughs> Mar- Mary goes and sees the body, she comes out and an incredible, I would almost call it a monologue, except she's just saying the word bastard over and yeah. over again, but she's screaming <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. I think there's like three screams, maybe four. While we were out here fumbling with that music, the lousy bastard was in there killing her! Bastard! 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 But it's just an incredible scene, and she's just screaming. It's 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 amazing. It's so weird. It's well acted, but it's just funny because she's just saying bastard over and over. It's poorly written. It's it's, yeah. it's well performed, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good way to say it. Okay, so the killer, meanwhile, has the new legs, and he tries putting the mom's shoes on the new feet, but they don't fit. There's a little Cinderella connection here. Um, <laughs> so he needs new feet, I guess, right? Mary then speaks with Professor Brown outside. And Ma- Mary, I guess, if we didn't make this clear, she's she's a faculty member. Just like we have the Kung Fu professor. I guess she's a tennis professor? She's the tennis coach or whatever. That's, yeah. A coach isn't considered faculty, though. And I think they refer to her as faculty. Well, are gym teachers considered faculty? It's, it's different. This is a university. Oh, We're yeah, not I talking about right. grade school. <laughs> this is, yeah, I don't think Coach yeah. K is considered faculty at Duke. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe. Anyways, but she's, 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 talking to, she's talking to Professor Brown. And she's like, hey, can I walk with you? I don't feel safe walking by myself. And he's like, oh, in the middle of broad daylight? And I'm like, Half the fucking people have been killed in the middle of broad daylight. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, yeah. What kind of stupid a line is that? A girl got her head cut off with a chainsaw in the middle of the day. What a stupid line. But <laughs> Professor Brown, I think well, I think she's she's asking him questions about the dean. Professor Brown goes on something about how the dean is really tough, like he's tougher than he looks. You have to be really tough in academia or something. Yeah. Like, what is he yeah. talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, then they kind of split. Like the, the the conversation goes nowhere. Oh yeah, he he ends up being rude to her, and he's like, "I don't appreciate the questions you're asking me. You're asking about like very personal stuff." So then Kendall and Mary have another conversation. Mary is going to question the dean again, but Kendall, because he knows everything, Kendall's like Kendall like runs this campus. He just like knows. Oh no, no the dean's not back until seven p.m. He's not in his office. Like, how does he know that? Yeah. Hey, how does this loser get? that attractive biddy in his bed that he has earlier who might have been the pectoral woman i'm not 100 percent sure well i did see full frontal and i can tell you why he had her i could tell you okay but yeah well and then then the attractive woman with the usa sweatshirt which oh yeah. hey we're not filming in spain just so you know i like that but yeah the, he he like runs the university i guess which is why i mean maybe he's a great person to have on the force as a uh undercover guy even though i'm well, he, he runs the he runs the school so well that they want him to research for the yes, because <laughs> for the force. Because Leslie Nielsen is having trouble going through the records. He's not doing it fast enough. And he's working <laughs> by himself. Even though we've got a full blown serial killer on he's our like hands. He's like a sixty year old man working by himself. He's also just going through the records. We're not really sure like what he's even looking through. Yeah. He's just going through records at City Hall. Christopher George says, hey, we should put Kendall on that. And then the Leslie Nielsen guy initially disagrees. 
He's like, what are you talking about? He's a suspect. And that, that's the scene I talked about earlier. But he's like, yeah, he's not a suspect. I think he says something like, I trust that kid with my life. He has a line yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he helps at City Hall go through all the the records, all the records work. They enjoy Wendy's, I think. They have uh, yeah, I like, noticed that. a couple yeah, of Wendy's, Wendy's bags. <laughs> okay, so Mary goes to the dean's office. It's actually it's before 7 p.m., but she knocks on the door and he happens to be there. And then he he invites her in and says, like, hey, I'm making tea, but you'd probably prefer coffee, right? And then he, he's very he, – we see him, like, poisoning her coffee. Mm-hmm. He has her drink some. And then she's asking questions about Professor Brown because she suspects Professor I Brown. I love this. <laughs> and then out of fucking nowhere, the guy is like, oh, Professor Brown's gay. Yeah. And <laughs> he seems more about, upset about it than I am. And I'm like, yeah. oh, what? And I then, love – And then he mentions just offhand – Oh, by the way, he tried to kill me once. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, why wasn't this shooter? Yeah, and that's why he's like, he's like, but I'm more powerful than I look, you know. Now I understand all of this is BS. Is Professor Brown even gay? I don't know. There's no real reason to believe he is or isn't. He was. He felt uncomfortable with that one woman asking where her pectorals were, but that's an uncomfortable conversation whether you're gay or straight. I also like that he's like, oh yeah, you think Professor Brown's weird? Yeah, he's weird because he's a homo. Yeah, well, <laughs> I like, mean. Okay. I guess he's just making all this BS up because at this point, we know the Dean's the killer when the yeah. second he starts poisoning the coffee. But also at this point, he's going to kill her. Mm-hmm. Why does he need to make up bullshit? Yeah. If he actually meant for this story to put people onto Professor Brown, why didn't he share it earlier that, oh, Professor Brown tried to kill me? It's so weird that it's coming up here. But he poisons her. She eventually, because he keeps like eyeing her feet because he needs new feet. A la Quentin Tarantino. Shoes. You know what? Guarantee Quentin Tarantino loves this movie. I know. <laughs> Eli Roth considers it his, one of his, the way he, I think oh Eli Roth God. says it's like one of the best horror movies, one of the best slasher movies ever. And I'm kind of with him on that, believe it or not, with Eli Roth. But no, Tarantino, big fan of this movie. Not even for the feet stuff, just for everything else. <laughs> eventually, at the records office, they find some information and we don't hear what information it is at first, but they're just like, oh, oh, it's actually Kendall that finds it. And he shows it to Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen's like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe they changed their name or something. And then he's on the phone with Christopher George. And I think then we realize like, oh, the Dean is the killer. The Dean mm-hmm. was the little kid who murdered his murdered his mother as a child. I think they say he saw his mother get killed. We yes, know yeah. he killed his mother, but yeah. Kendall, Leslie Nielsen, Christopher George all arrive at the dean's office at the same time, and then they're they're about to break into the thing, but then they have to have this stupid, like, no, Kendall, you wait behind. You're not a cop. And then they have this, like, no, 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 let me in. And it's like, okay, but you have to – and it's like, why are we spending time on this? Yeah, just, just like, run in. Let him, let him run – like, we've already been treating him as a cop. Just let him enter. Don't give this whole, like, if I say duck, you duck, and then you ask why later or something. Like, we're just <laughs> wasting time on this. But they break into the dean's office. She's like paralyzed, but she's also very clearly staring off to her left. Yeah. None of the cops or Kendall acknowledges, <laughs> which is a fatal flaw almost. So, the, but, but obviously the, the Dean's gone. So they're, the cops both leave. So Kendall helps her, helps her walking. And then the killer, the Dean, attacks from the window. Um, <laughs> from the curtains. Yeah, from the curtains. He attacks. Um, he's pulling a Polonius, hiding behind the curtains. <laughs> And there's a struggle. It's the two of them fighting. It's it's Kendall and it's the Dean. But I like how just uh, there's that shot of uh, Mary just hitting the ground oh, hard. Yeah, <laughs> and she, and she, 
Yeah, and she and she I mean she can't move. So she's just like stuck there looking at it and it's just kind of funny. So there's a there's a lengthy struggle, but then the cops burst in and shoot the dean. Christopher George, perfect shot right through the forehead, kills him. And then Leslie Nielsen discovers that Mary had been drugged, even though like I mean we could all we could already tell that, but he says it like it's officially and it's like you <laughs> don't know that. <laughs> I mean, we 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 know, but we don't. You yeah. know, like he, he, you still still need to like dudes run some tests or something. <laughs> I think they get her up and out of there. And you're right, this is a little bit of because Kendall's kind of like helping her onto the couch, and they like hold hands a little bit. And there's a little there's there's a knowing glance there. Yeah. You know, possible romantic kind of thing. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Notice it's when Christopher George leaves the room because we don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Day George isn't going to do that in front of him. Yeah, exactly. So then, very randomly, a stitched up body falls out of like a dresser, like a shiffer robe. Yeah. And yeah. falls onto Kendall. <laughs> it's in slow motion. He's screaming. And it's like, it's dumb, but it's like, okay, this is like, a, you know, you're going to end the movie on a jump scare. You're going to have this like stitched up body together. Sure. We, we finally see the, the yeah. full result of the, we see the, 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 the fruits of his labors. Oh, this new puzzle has been completed. Right. Cause that's, that's what this body essentially is. It's the puzzle yeah. that he was making with the, with the naked woman earlier. I, I also like the idea that when casting for that, they're like quickly, we need to find a woman. <laughs> Who looks like she was sewn together? You know what I mean. Well, like, they put I, makeup I know they put on makeup her. on her, but like I just like, oh yeah, you're right. She does look like she has different <laughs> body parts. <laughs> they got it's. They probably got the woman, the woman who gets beheaded early. They probably yeah, just the got her because it's, yeah. they show her face, yeah. right? It's probably her. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not though. But it, pretty good makeup. Like you get the little stitches in the arms and stuff. But like the discoloring is really kind of off-putting. Like it looks pretty good. Yeah, how like the head is rotted more than everything else. Yeah. And you'd think that's like a halfway decent way to end the movie, but no, it gets weirder, folks. <laughs> Kendall's talking with the cops after they've got this body is now covered, and they're just talking like, oh, yeah, this killer must have been just putting all these pieces together to make this woman or something. And it's like, yeah. And then Kendall's like, let me just grab my coat, and he grabs his coat. And then, <laughs> boom, the arm from the dead stitched together body reaches up, grabs his crotch and pulls to the point of there's blood everywhere. Dude, and I think, because I rewatched that scene like four times, I think she's also supposed to be like crushing his balls because like she squeezes and everything just kind of I, like I think she's just it. pulling everything off. I think I think just he has, I think he's being neutered yeah. basically. Yeah. I think it's just the groin no more. Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's, it's just like, and that's, that's how the movie ends. The movie ends on like a freeze frame of him screaming. Yeah, it's and totally it's so bizarre. bizarre. It's, <laughs> it it's really one of the weirder endings. And I think I, the first couple times I saw this movie, I don't think I realized that that was the stitched together body. I think I always thought that was, I mean, it makes more sense if it's the guy, if it's the Dean. Because yeah, yeah, even though he was shot, just say, oh, he was actually still alive and he comes back for one last scare. We see it all the time in slash yeah. movies. But no, it's this body that I guess at some point got reanimated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I know. It makes no sense. But uh, it's makes for an interesting jump scare. Right oh, after you already sure. had another interesting jump scare. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, Jim, what did you <laughs> think of Pieces? Pieces is great. Pieces is. I think you've said it enough that it is like one, probably one of the best B movies ever, or that we've one of the best exploitation us. movies. I, yeah. I think. It, and in, it's in probably terms of just 
so many sources of entertainment. You got the weird, like if you just like love horror and creative kills, you get a lot of that here. If you love gore, that's here. Yeah. You love yeah. random gratuitous nudity. That's all over this movie. <laughs> if you love like weird dialogue that reads like it was written by someone who doesn't understand English, that's everywhere in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot to enjoy. Well, yeah, and exactly. And you, you've taken the words out of my mouth with that one. It's, uh, it's just a fantastic movie. It might be one of the most perfect drive-in style movies that we've done for this podcast. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. fits the bill perfectly for what yeah. we want out of like a second feature. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's it's just, again, like the Prowler, just so shameless, so <laughs> gratuitous in all of the slasher-ness of it. Yeah. You know, it's just, here's pieces. It is what it is. I mean, the tagline is, it's exactly what you think it is. And that's really, <laughs> that's it's not just yeah. like, I mean, that's uh, what the, the movie is that. It's just like, you tell me, there's a slasher exploitation movie, a low-budget slasher exploitation movie from the early 80s. This is the movie that I'm picturing. It's it's a little bit more interesting than that because you have all the the weird the bastards and the kung fu professors. Like you throw that stuff in there, but I'm t- just talking about like plot and actually what what happens and things not making a whole lot of sense. Like that's what I'm expecting out of like a cheap low-budget movie like this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And 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 that's what makes it enjoyable. You know, for all the people out there that enjoy watching bad movies, you'll get a real kick out of this. And again, it's it's a bad movie, but it's also pretty close to being kind of like a Friday the Thirteenth. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think. Well, I think it's um, and again the 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 Sleepaway Camp comparison too. It's a bad movie, but there's like this weird creativity there too that I, mm-hmm. I i appreciate and i'm i mean listen there's dick related twist endings in both of them and i'm not talking about that <laughs> i'm talking more just well, like well, the, well one has a has a twisted dick ending and the other one has a dick twist ending yeah 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 he pulls the dick out from under you and in, in this movie and the other one <laughs> inserts the dick, the dick right right in at the end but pulls the dick out from under you <laughs> yeah i mean I think there is just something just genuinely entertaining about how weird this movie is. I don't know. I just, I I love this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess like kind of moving on from that, what movie did you like better as, as, as a movie for this week? Would it be John Wick or this or Pieces? I got to go Pieces. I mean, is John Wick the better movie? Uh, sure. No doubt. But I think for what it is as just like a, I, I really do think Pieces is like, the most enjoyable exploitation movie for me even compared to like exploitation movies that are quality i can watch this any day any day of the week i love pieces jim what about you yeah i feel the same way john wick absolutely the better movie oh yeah more exciting movie you know the more cinematic movie this is this is yeah can i just talk about this i i saw i saw pieces on shutter even on shutter i mean i know streaming versus like i'm pieces probably as a blu-ray release but the movie looks like absolute shit oh yeah it looks like like, it it looks bad like yeah it's so like (laughs) it's so great it's like uh uh, uh, granulated you know what i mean like it's all you can see like all the film grain and from like various bad ports i assume as well yeah no pieces is definitely the kind of movie that this podcast is all about and it's the kind of movie that I dig. Christ, you know me. I love Killer Workout and Deathstalker and yeah. <laughs> Slave Girls from Oh, Beyond this Infinity. is so much better and more interesting than Killer Workout. Killer Workout it is, yeah. has this beat in the soundtrack. I'll give you that. But this is yeah. <laughs> entertaining. <laughs> yeah. There are a few dull moments in Pieces. It's like, not that there are many dull moments in John Wick, but I'm just thinking Pieces. It's like opening scene. We've got a woman smacking up her kid and then he comes back and murders <laughs> her. Like, yeah. 
And then like everything, and then you get someone skateboarding into a plate glass window thing. I know, and, that, just, and, and, and that's what's every so exciting. scene is just so weird. Yeah, that's fantastic. what's so exciting about Pieces. I mean, John Wick is a pretty straightforward action movie, whereas Pieces, you have no clue what's going on right from the minute it opens. <laughs> you know, and again, I like going right. back and, to that and mother. Sto- Story wise, too, it is a straightforward slasher movie, but mm-hmm. it throws all these weird things in there. Like these um, <laughs> red herrings that you know aren't the killer at all that like the movie keeps hitting yeah, you over the head yeah. with really hard. It's like, oh, is it this big scary John Reese davies guy? And you're like, no, it's not him. We know that. Um, then the Kung Fu professor shows up and all that stuff. and uh, Yeah, or when they throw things in there that you that just never get resolved, like the keys. Right? It's like, oh, these are Yeah, the keys, keys. The keys. Or even like um, what, I, what I brought up earlier when, the, uh, when Professor Brown was like uh, – Oh, this is a the skull of a sixteen year old girl that was given to me by a student in the sixties. I'm like, oh yeah, so, yeah. Like, I wouldn't even think like, about that. Like, where, like, is there another killer on the loose? I th- I think maybe the most important thing, and just how much time we spend on it, and we never really get anything out of it, is the note, the note that Kendall receives. Yeah, and that's what you keep asking yourself throughout this movie: what is going on? <laughs> Mm-hmm. and it's great it's just fantastic and why doesn't she notice the chainsaw that he's like carrying into the elevator i know that's the best part <laughs> so jim how do you think this works as a drive-in double feature i think it works because you know you have this straightforward action movie that's over the top okay. and exciting and explosive and then you have the like you follow it up with this bizarre movie <laughs> that opens on a woman be like beating the shit out of her kid verbally mm-hmm. and physically everything in john wick is topped by this just the, the craziness of everything in this movie and uh, i think that plays well off each other or they play well off each other yeah i think this is an excellent double feature mostly for, sort of similarly to what you're saying john wick straightforward action revenge thriller this movie, plot-wise, straightforward slasher movie, throws a lot of really weird shit in there in the middle. But I do, I do think both movies incredibly violent, both movies incredibly entertaining, and just plot-wise very simple. I like that we go from normal to really, really weird. I kind of like that. Yeah, and both movies really are kind of revenge movies. Uh, you have you have John Wick. And then you have John Wick's a revenge movie. How is Pieces a revenge movie? Well, it's like he's trying to get revenge on his mother, essentially. You know, I mean, she's he got murdered it. in the opening yeah, well, scene. He, got, he murdered he got her. It. The he revenge got is it done. immediately. He got it immediately. But obviously, you know, this fucking no revenge. <laughs> there's no revenge there. He just snaps. He's, he's there's no revenge. Okay, there's fine. No motivation. He's just he a weirdo. He's if anything, it's the opposite of revenge. He's trying to bring his mother back because he's stitching all these bodies. Oh, that's together. right. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Except he's also inspired. I think he's trying to bring back the nude woman in the puzzle but yeah, then he's also dressing her up as his like mother. his mother but then also when she falls out of the shift robe isn't she naked well, no she's she's got like the dress on but it's like around her waist so oh it, it comes it comes free yeah okay what do we got next week patrick so we are approaching the end of season two but we've got a couple more episodes including next week once upon a time in the west from 1968 from director sergio leone starring the great Charles Bronson. We've got Resident Evil, the 2002 uh, original yes. Resident Evil movie. One of the movies I'm least looking forward to ever covering. I've seen it. <laughs> the Resident Evil movie, you know, it's, it is what it is, I guess, right? I, I don't remember it a thing about it. It is, yeah. But that's what we've got up next week. So check out our Twitter, at Drive In Podcast. 
be sure to rate us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on and check out our instagram at revenge of the drive-in check out our patreon for commentary tracks and early access to episodes as well as to extended cuts of episodes if you want to hear 20 30 minutes extra nonsense being talked about jokes that get cut things like that check those Which, out i'm sure that'll happen to this one and so yeah that's patreon.com slash revenge of the drive-in and we'll see you next week we look forward to seeing you or what's what's the john wick line that you claim he says all the time that i didn't hear him say uh, once i'll be seeing you i'll be seeing you okay very memorable catchphrase i i don't remember <laughs> him saying that once i really don't but we'll be seeing you